Welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm your host, Matt, and as always, I'm joined by the international monster-loving dream team. To my left, I have Dave. How you doing, mate? I'm here, and I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do this. Ready. Ready for vampires. Oops, I've said it already. Um, <laughs> and to my right is Cameron. How you doing, pal? Hello, hello. I'm doing very well. Getting a little bit chilly for our first movie. Excellent. What we like to hear. And as I spoilt 10 seconds ago, this episode is going to be a uh, vampiric one. Um, So we will be covering uh, two films in this one. Firstly, 30 Days of Night, and then we'll be covering Stakeland. And then at the end, we'll be going through any uh, comments or responses that we received. Okay, so let's kick off with 30 Days of Night. Dave. Let's let's do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> In the deep end. Yeah, let's uh, jump into the pool. Um, so, <laughs> 30 Days of Night. Uh, man, what did this... I forgot to look up when it came out. 2010? Something like that. Uh, 2007. Two, 2007, 2007, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ten was, years was, ago. Was a little while ago. Um, mm. Yeah, so this is... Uh, <laughs> this is directed by David Slade who, uh, well, we're not covering it, but he directed one of the Twilight films, so that's his other tie-in to uh, the vampiric lore. He directed um, Twilight <laughs> Eclipse. I didn't see that one. Right. Um, oh, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. You actually admit that. That's on, this is recorded, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. I don't know. <laughs> um... American Gods, uh, that's a new series that started up on the Stars Network. He directs three episodes of that. And while it's not uh, vampires specifically, there's a lot of lore and it's just a lot of cool uh, mm. mythology in that show. I've managed to watch, well, the uh, first episode. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, so I've heard good yeah, things right. about it. That's good. Mm. And then we also have on board... Um, Steve Niles uh, was one of the screenwriters for the film, and he um, originally wrote the comic book that this movie's based on. Um, and I think, I guess, uh, stylistically, um, the movie holds up pretty well to um, Ben Templesmith as the artist for the comic, and it uh, it's pretty faithful mm. to his um, renditions mm. of vampires, as much as you're going to be able to do when he sort of uses a collage uh photo and cg sort of style it's very distinctive okay nice yeah yeah right so 30 days of night clues in the title on this one um so the start of the film is with where it's set in a town called barrow in alaska where effectively they have to endure 30 days of no sunlight which would be, uh, which I imagine would be quite realistic, actually, wouldn't it, for anyone that's been um, in that part of the world? I imagine that's something they have to go. Well, maybe I'm not. Well, would it be thirty days? Probably, maybe even longer. I imagine it, actually. It's a length of time, but it's not like as dark as it shows. It's it's more like mm. twilight. Twilight. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's the sun's not fully set or risen for that time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they, so they they took some liberties with 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it a horror film, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they so basically they it starts off with a little bit of a uh, you know, some words on the screen sort of explaining the you know, town name and it's gonna be thirty days of night effectively and um the start of the film is the uh, we see a stranger appearing uh, off who rose off the uh, off the back of a big ship basically that's uh, and he goes through the snow etc. This is um is it Ben Ben This is Ben, ben Foster. Ben Foster, yeah. that's the one. He was good in this role. Yeah. He is really good in this role. Um and I said he's effectively known as the stranger and mm. he um yeah, you sort of see him sort of crawling it well I say crawling he's uh, walking into into uh, the town effectively and um you it then sort of you start meeting some of the main characters at this point which should be uh, probably the most arguably probably the most famous person in this film which is uh, Josh Harnett uh who's known as Eben. I had to. Um, I remember when I was watching this film, I had to make sure that I didn't call him Evan because yeah, Evan. Yeah. I say pronounced. I was like, he's not. He's not. E- I'm gonna say it in the mirror. Eben. Eben. <laughs> it's, it's not Evan. <laughs> and um, and he's he's one of the well, probably the the head sheriff of the town of Barrow, and um, he meets his his deputy Billy, who. Um, He's been quite a few things himself, actually, isn't it? It's Manu Bennett. He's I remember he, I remember seeing him in the uh, the Spartacus TV show, which I think was also oh, yeah. in Stars as well. And mm-hmm. he's um, also in the Hobbit films. He's the um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the character now. The uh, the one of the main orcs, the one that's quite deformed, mm. but uh, oh. has a has a rivalry with uh, Oak Shield in it. So yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> that's Manu <laughs> Bennett. He's uh, because actually a lot of the cast in this are actually either from Australia or New Zealand. Because I think it's, was it filmed in New Zealand? I think this one, um, from memory. Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot yeah, of it I is filmed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did and I forgot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's filmed there. So a lot of the, you know, quite a few of the back cast are uh, from there. So, you know, you, you see these two uh, sheriffs and they come across some, basically some burnt mobile phones obviously from 10 years ago so uh, (laughs) no smartphones in there Uh, and uh, they come across the the burnt phones and and then obviously they're talking about this will be the last sunset you know before the uh, the 30 days of night that they're about to put up with Um, you know just again it's just setting the scene at this point Um, and then it it cuts to quite a horrific scene actually with um, some huskies um, get, well, I assume they were huskies, not wolves, because my yeah, wife was watching. Actually, she, yeah. yeah, so they um, they are basically you know barking, etc., and they and they get knived, which was quite horrific. And then that's at a point when my wife didn't want to watch the film anymore. <laughs> 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 off by the, the animal violence in this film. So um, yeah, so you you don't see, you know, I mean, at this point, I mean, did uh, for when you first watched this. Um, Dave, did you sort of presume this was potentially the stranger that you'd seen earlier, you know, Ben Foster's character, or you know, did you were you thinking potentially it could be vampire related at this point? Uh, no, they're using a knife, so I I probably keyed in that it was uh, good old Ben Foster. Um, I saw this <laughs> yeah. in the theater uh, when it came out the first time. And okay, as a I guess a slight aside, um, I don't know why I had to think about the year because uh, eight ten to Yuma came out at the same time, which also stars Ben Foster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's no vampires in that one. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then we sort of move on, and then you see uh, Stella, who is uh, uh, is uh, the wife of uh, Eben. Um, at this point, you don't know particularly their relationship, but you're going to sort of see soon that you can see that she's an estranged wife <laughs> of Eben, um, mm. by the way they, uh, they deal with each other. And um, so she makes comment that she's going to be effectively leaving the area for the ball, you know, for these 30 days, which I don't blame her considering what's about to happen. Um, and uh, she uh, is driving and gets taken off the, uh, the road by, by a big construction vehicle. I think it's one with a big, uh, big chainsaw at the front of it, isn't it? So I presume it's for yeah, cutting down yeah. wood and, and such like, um, which, it's quite amusing actually because obviously you, th- you saw this point, you're thinking, oh, you know, who's who's driving it, and it just turns out to be one of the locals who's <laughs> whose uh, brakes locked up, and and obviously she's panicking, can't get to the airport at this point, and um, and then that's when she makes a phone call to her, to Eben, and that's like I said, you, this is where you see the sort of relationship where it's not even though they're husband and wife, you you can tell they're not on good terms by the way that uh, Eben speaks to her on the phone, and effectively he then gets Billy to uh, to go and pick her up. Um, so you know at this point it is just setting the you know the sort of background of these characters. Um, you know, I mean, I think from what I've been told that uh, Stella was in Home and Away, I believe. Uh... I, I'm the only one who would have watched that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that series. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> Someone one. see it, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was a little guy, but I saw it. Yeah. it. It's been years. I cannot confirm or deny. Really young. Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, it's only what my wife told me as she as she watched it because <laughs> she turned to me and said, "Oh, she was in Home and Away." I'm like. I have never seen that program. <laughs> it's not something, you know, it, I was, if, when I was younger, I watched Neighbours, not Home and Away. It was, <laughs> can't do both. So, uh, yeah, so you, like I said, you see the relationship with Eben and Eben and uh, he then, Eben goes off to investigate the, uh, the, uh, the killing of the dogs. And this is where you meet uh, John and his wife, who you're going to see a bit later. Eben asks John, "Is you know, has he uh, annoyed anyone recently? I've done this, and obviously, sort of denies anything like that." Um, and then, you know, because I find this film at this point sort of moves fairly quickly. From even though it's quite a small, relatively small town, you sort of you move into the different areas quite quickly. I mean, Cameron, did you sort mm. of think that as well? Uh, yeah, no, it's sort of um, it doesn't want to rest on a slow burn. I think it wants to show you what the town looks like. It wants you to meet the cast will be important later in the movie and sort of yeah. get through that fairly quickly to sort of focus on the meat of the movie which is uh the 30 days of night yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think it's like, like you said i think it's trying to give you as much of the of the town as possible because like i said it is quite small but obviously area you do sort of see areas revisited a few times especially the uh the sheriff's station etc so I think at this point there, like I said, just like they're doing a lot of films, just getting you to know the the individual characters um, at this point. And then, then it moves on, like I said, to the sheriff's station where you, you meet Evan's brother, Jake, who's again, quite a prominent character and their grandma who all seem to be working at this, <laughs> in the sheriff's office, a <laughs> uh, little family event there. But, but then again, I suppose that would be the case in a lot of these sort of remote towns, you know, they would be, 
on that, you know, working on that sort of basis, wouldn't they, I suppose. Um, and then it cuts to a, I think it's the, it's the, I forgot what they call it. It's a, it's a, like a power and sewage plant, isn't it? I think, cause you, again, I think you see yeah. later in the film, I think they, is it what they call it? I did. It's a, uh, it's they call it the Utilidor. Like, Utilidor. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's the name I was looking for. Um, so they, they cut to this where you meet two other characters, which is Gus and Carter. I believe at this point. Um, uh, I could have made that up. Okay. Yes, Carter. <laughs> You're coming off as fresh, so uh, we'll go yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah, he's Carter. I think I I believe he was in the um, the Matrix movies. I think I could be wrong on that, but um, and uh, so you meet yeah, you meet a couple of characters, and you, one of the characters makes a point of that his helicopter's been uh, sabotaged at this point. You know, so again, you know, starting to see uh, you know what's gonna potentially happen now you can see that the dogs have been killed uh, is all out of the blue his helicopter's been sabotaged and he's a bit obviously a bit angry at that and you think hmm, okay where's this where's this going um at this point so and then this is where you know you start to see some actual vampire activity now because you know this is where again i presume i think he's called gus <laughs> goes outside mm. to investigate and this is where you first see the vampires so um so, Dave, what do you think of the this first vampire scene? Um, well, like most of the ones throughout the film, it's very brief. Um, yeah, they they don't take pains to like hide what's happening, but they kind of pull that move from Aliens, where a lot of times with the vampires, you don't you don't directly see them; they're just kind of mm-hmm. pulling people off into the darkness. Yeah, um, or it gives you a, a good uh, glimpse of their blood crusted face. And, mm. uh, yeah, these, these guys, they don't wash. Crusty <laughs> <laughs> uh, blood beards. Yeah. There we they, go. They There's the like name it. of the episode. We've got it there already. <laughs> Ten minutes in. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, yeah, they are quite, well, they're, they're very feral vampires compared to other movies. Um, and like I said, they throughout the whole film, you see them with the, with dry blood, you know, around their around their uh, jaws. Um, I mean, what do you think of these, Cameron, as well? Uh, no, I think they're pretty interesting. This first scene is nice because you never see them directly for most of it. You know, it's lots of, you see a blurred figure circling around them in the snow or there's a flash of movement with a bit of a noise for a jump scare. Uh, but, you know, Gus himself says, like, who are you people? What are you doing? So you get the idea that whatever they are, uh, they at least look human enough to pass. And then he yeah. gets, you know, brutally murdered. So they're possibly not at that point. And it, if you didn't know it was a vampire film going in, it's the kind of scene that lets you keep the tension and still keep guessing a bit. Because yeah. it doesn't directly go, no, these are definitely vampires with the very first scene. No, exactly. Gets, you're right. Yeah. yeah. yeah it I gets mean, very it's... obvious later. <laughs> Is that... Yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're right because at this point, you, you, like I said, if you didn't know it was a vampire film, you could be thinking are these some sort of zombie type character? Are they, you know, are they just wild, you know, people? They get like you said, you can tell they're not aliens, but can't, you know, particularly see that they're uh, they're vampires at this point. Uh, I mean, again, I think this scene as well sort of shows what's going to happen later in the sense that that the scenes involving them killing people is quite brutal, isn't it really? Especially mm. what happens to Gus. You get, you know, they properly, the first one slashes his throat, jumps on him and then bites his neck. It's quite, quite brutal, which 
you know, I think adds to to this film quite a bit actually. So I think it again it's showing you what's to come really, and um, you know, and that's the end of poor Gus at this point. Um, so this is the, like you said, the first intro you see for them, um, and then cuts back to uh, the stranger. Uh, I mean, the stranger. You now you see a bit more of him because again in the sort of first scene you only really see him facially where he's a bit you can tell he, he you know he, to be fair he looks like a tramp effectively he's you know he's dirty he's long hair etc so he, he he's in the diner and he's uh, basically kicking off at the waitress because he's wanting meat I want some meat um, <laughs> well he's wanting he raw meat yes yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah, mm. and the uh, which obviously they don't want to give him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, this is where because uh, it's one of those sort of communities. Eben's happen. Eben happens to be in the diner, and uh, obviously confronts him and sort of wants to have a quiet word with him outside. And stranger doesn't really want to, you know, go with him. He wants his raw meats, and then that's is where. Stella's in there as well, because obviously it's that sort of community where everyone's in the diner. Um, and Stella basically puts a gun to the back of uh, the stranger's head to, and then Eben uh, obviously secures him and uh, marches him out. And I think this scene's quite funny, actually. I don't know about you guys, but so Eben's got the stranger. He's leading him away. You know, he's got him mm. tied up or handcuffed at this point. And him and Stella are having a conversation about where she's staying. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. like they're about to say, "What's for dinner tonight?" It's really weird. <laughs> Do you? I mean, Dave, did you think that as well? It's sort of quite an odd scene. They're just having this really casual conversation while they have got this quite, you know, quite uh, neurotic stranger in front of them. Yeah, I mean, it's basically showing how, while they might be at odds, they're still comfortable with one another. They, they, they you know, they've known each other for obviously a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, while their marriage might be on the outs, uh, they, they, they still banter, you know, they mm. that. it's, it's, it's a good scene. And, um, really, I think, uh, the stranger, um, uh, Ben Foster, uh, he's kind of, he's chewing the scenery as well. So every scene you get him <laughs> in, he's yeah. like the highlight. They, yeah. They use him well, um, in this. And, um, there's one small thing I did want to cover was the the opening scene when he's kind of leaving that uh it looks like a derelict ship um mm-hmm. that's you know another solid nod to uh like like older like Dracula films where you know the abandoned liner or something comes on shore and all the crew's all dead and there's vampire on board yeah, um, yeah. we also get the scene with the dogs which totally feels like it's out of the thing um, yeah not yeah. a vampire yeah, but a yeah I thought that, yeah yeah, yeah. So they, I mean, you know, they know what they're doing as far as the cinematography is concerned. It's Absolutely. strong in this film, uh, even though the, the setting is, you know, very quite limited. And the town itself, I mean, they use it as a character. We get a lot of aerial shots mm. looking directly down, like on like a bird's eye view of the town. And it's, it's very small. Um, yeah. But it's sort of laid out, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to, not that you'd think ants, but I feel like it's like a body. And we'll see later, um, sort of, I guess, with the, the aftermath of the our vampires uh, arriving, that it's like a wound. You know, it closes up on it, and it, uh, mm. I don't know, it's, it's pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, going back to the 
relationship with Eben and, and Stella, I think it also shows that ultimately he still cares for her regardless of their relationship as well because obviously he's checking where she's staying because obviously effectively she should be gone and out of uh, Barrow by this point. So again, I think it's just setting the, again, what's about to happen for the next uh, couple hours where, you know, their relationship's going to get struck, you know, back to being, you know, to stronger days. So no, no, it is a good scene. It's just quite an amusing scene in some ways, but it is powerful at the same time. Um, so then it, at the diner, it cuts to this scene with uh, two guys and a um, and a girl that are sort of you know clocking off work, I presume at this point, and uh, they're sort of having a quite a uh, interesting conversation about uh, <laughs> what they want to do with her <laughs> and where they're going to go. Oh, it's who's going to whose house, you know? Yeah, that one, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's one lucky girl getting the <laughs> getting passed between these two guys. Uh, but it's all it's all done in in you know in a in a nice nature. It's not a, a mm. bad scene in that regard. But this is again where you you see more of the uh, the vampire. So uh, poor Gabe, um, he gets his uh, throat slit. He gets sort of taken off into the uh, into the the dark, and you know gets his body thrown out with a with a slit throat and. Uh, Obviously, another horrific scene. Again, it just you know, there's, they're not holding back in these scenes. Again, you're not seeing much yeah, of the vampire, yeah. but uh, but you know, the, there's a lot. Of, you know, it is brutal <laughs> at the time. They're not holding back. So um, so yeah, that's uh, again just setting the scene a bit more. Uh, it goes back to the the uh, sheriff station where Eben's unhappy because he finds out from his brother Jake that uh, their grandma is taking pots because of her cancer. You know, so he's unhappy about that, but. <laughs> You know, grandma saying, got to do what I got to do, <laughs> effectively. And uh, again, that'll play in a bit later in the film. And there's, uh, goes back to to the stranger again, and he adequately puts, uh, they come in. So uh, again, so you can see that at this point, I mean, what Cameron, at this point, do you sort of feel that there obviously was some connection between the stranger and the, the vampires at this point? Oh yeah, no, they sort of made it pretty obvious. Uh, it, it the first time I watched it, which is years and years ago at this point, um, I don't think I quite fully grasped that the stranger was directly working with them at this point. Like, yeah, you know, I thought maybe he was just lucky and got off the ship or something like that. And then it's like, no, I watched it several times since then. I'm like, no, no, he's definitely been told to come in here while the sun is up and do things the vampires can't do before they get there. You know kill off dogs, cut off escape routes, cut off communication, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he's done his cool. job. He's just waiting to get picked up now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Effectively. He's, he's, uh, he's, they're treating him a bit like a pet, aren't they? Effectively. Well, he's the, he's the Renfield to their, their dragon. Mm. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, no, he plays it well. I mean, he, you can tell he's, he's obviously distressed by everything, even though he, he's a bit warped, but, you'd imagine that would be happening considering he's uh, conspiring with guys. So, you know, I think that's, uh, that's a given. And then Eben goes out to investigate back at the, uh, the plant. And that's where he finds uh, poor Gus's head on a pole, which obviously freaks him out. And this is, I mean, that's where I think he realizes things are starting to get a bit serious. I mean, obviously any kid, you know, the, the dogs being killed, et cetera, the vamp, uh, vampire, the, the helicopter being uh, vandalized, you know, he knows oh, things so are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas the, you know this yeah. is quite a, wow, <laughs> that is quite a horrific scene for him to to see. Because again, effectively, he is just 
a sheriff in a quite a remote, <laughs> remote town in Alaska. So it's quite uh, quite a big scene for him. Uh, and then it switches to where we again we see a bit more uh, vampire action where it, where you go again. I think it's uh, John and his wife, which is the the owners of the dogs. The uh, she the, the uh, one of the vampires jumps through the window and uh, attacks her mm. and drags her off. Um, like we've seen in some of the recent films that we've covered, it's quite a, quite a common theme, isn't it? Get people getting dragged out of windows and doors, etc. <laughs> again, adding to the tension. Um, and then they get this quite quite sad scene where she's being dragged underneath the house because you know it's one of those houses where it's on on platforms etc and she's getting dragged under and john's trying to trying to pull her out and and she he gets slashed in the process by you know by the vampire and then she uh she's gone at this point so again they're sort of playing into some of the the you know some of the common themes you sometimes see with vampires you, you see them hiding in the dark that you know again they're not they're still showing bits of them at this point aren't they but they're not they haven't properly really shown them in any real detail you you, you hear the screaming as they attack etc but you know it's still it's all you're getting little bits at this point um and then again it switches because you know, the pace it picks up at this point so it's going to uh, back to the stranger where he's um he's uh in the Obviously, he's in the uh, his cell with uh, Stella, Grandma, and Jake at this point, <laughs> and uh, he's obviously winding them up, saying that they're all going to be dead, basically, uh, in his words. Um, and then, at this point, Stranger grabs Jake and tries to choke him out by uh, with his hands, and then Evan comes in, saves the day. He always happens to be in these situations, doesn't he? Evan comes back <laughs> at the right time and uh, shoots the stranger, and then. Uh, handcuffs him and and starts threatening him with what's going on etc so you know things are starting to pick up pace at this point and then it goes uh, back to some vampire more vampire action where there's um uh, slamming on the roof truck and and then it yeah, actually the screams they let out actually because i mean what do you think of this day because they, they they're quite what well, the vampire that gets shot at this point uh when it's attacking them on the roof it it um it's quite guttural. It's quite a high pitched, but guttural at the same time, quite a scream. I mean, what did you think about that? Sort of the way they, the way they scream. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. It, it harkens back to that, I guess, alien comparison. They're Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's so far from a human sound, you know, you can, you can hear (laughs) that it's a person could make that noise maybe, but it's this high pitched, like, keening you know scream um yeah i'm not gonna do an impression of that but (laughs) i I thought about it for half a second um not doing it uh yeah it's it's iconic i guess is as much as you're gonna get from these guys Um, yeah absolutely something i guess to convey uh outside of their you know their their visual configuration and you know we do get a look at them they, they're, I guess what they, they did, they, they used CG, but their eyes aren't quite set in the human the same angle. configuration. They're, they're sort yeah, of not... bug-eyed, angled down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's striking, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And not um, something it's... you want to hear in the in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not. It's um yeah, it's just I mean then at this point um 
uh, things they move move back to the uh, sheriff's office again. That's quite a prominent area, and they find lots of blood. Grandma is gone. Jake's gone. Um, and then this is where it cuts back to where you actually, for the first proper time, you see the the, the vampire leader who's uh, called Barlow, Marlow, Marlow. Marlow. Sorry, I'm thinking Marlow. That's it. Um, so, Cameron, what did you think of Marlow? Uh, I think for someone who pretty much um, for most of the film doesn't speak a single word of English. Uh, <laughs> the actor, the actor did a great job of conveying sort of meaning through this other language. Cause the vampires use this very sort of harsh guttural speech, yeah. but they have their own language that they're using to communicate along with the howls and the screams. But he's sort of a striking figure, you know, is this sort of l- looks like a late middle-aged man in a long coat with a white shirt, nice pants but he's just got these two inch long clawed fingernails Mm -hmm. and these sort of needle like uh, teeth. His teeth are actually different to all the other vampires. Yeah. All the other ones have these sort of the squarer still pointed teeth, but he has needles almost. And then he has those big dark eyes. Very striking. Yeah. I mean, he he plays it really. The the actor's Danny Huston. He's, recently been in the uh the current uh wonder Wo- wonder woman movie he's uh one of the main bad guys in it and he played uh, he's one of those actors that always plays these sort of roles well he, he often plays <laughs> bad guys as well and he he looks quite haunting in, in it as well because obviously i know the way that they they portrayed him especially with their eyes and the sort of blackness of the eyes but wait the way he sort of hangs his jaw is quite Mm. it's quite harsh as well you know he's sort of where he almost looks like there's nothing inside him but there is obviously there's a very calculated uh creature in there in you know inside that head of his is you know he's very yeah he's so it's very haunting um what do you think of him dave um he looks kind of like ray wise from uh twin peaks <laughs> and some other you know, films yeah um, yeah it might just be yeah, that cut. um but <laughs> yeah no he's I guess for all the the blood and you know dust and dirt on their clothes, um, he strikes a, a sort of a dapper figure. I mean, mm. he's, they're they're for what it is, they're well dressed to come in suits. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, bloody messed up suits, yeah. but dressed um, to impress. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that idea of that sort of haunted look, um, and with the black eyes, they're. They're basically like land-bound sharks, if you want to like yeah. cut to it. Yeah. That's what mm. they, I guess, remind you of is they're, you know, they're straightforward in what they're doing. Um, they attack in that sort of, you know, feeding frenzy, um, but it's all calculated, you know, until the moment that they're, you know, pouncing on their prey. Everything they do is slow, sort of sedated, and then they just, mm-hmm. you know, spring to life or unlife, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell they're they're getting enjoyment out of what they, you know, a lot of the that sort of evil smirk is there. You know, mm. there's a preying on the people throughout this uh, town as well. You can tell they're actually, as well as the the fact that they're. Uh, biting biting them etc they actually enjoy what they're doing i mean going back to what you said cameron about the the language they use it like you said it is actually a like a made completely made up language for the movie so mm. I, I must admit when i was uh looking into the film i wondered if 
they, you know, it was going to be something like, I don't know, something Eastern European, maybe something Romanian, yeah. the whole Transylvania thing, you know, see if they were going to tie it in with that. And just the way that he's pronouncing the words, you know, I wondered if it was going to be something on those lines. But like I said, it, it was completely made up. And, and I, I imagine for any actor that has to do a made up language in any movie, it must be very difficult. So like you said, he, he did it very well. You would never have thought it was a made up language. Um, it's almost in a way the the way the sort of the guttural way they talk is almost a bit Klingon like, isn't it? That sort of I'm not <laughs> yeah, direct. I was going to um, say that, Klingon. but I was hesitant. It's, it's got that sort of you know that sort of you know the way uh, the way it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. It's it's very and it and it's very appropriate for the movie actually. But um, <clears throat> so yeah, so you the you know Mar- Marlowe's the vampire leader and he makes quite a key point as he's talking because he's it's obviously subtitled and he's talking to the other vampires he makes a point that for the other vampires to take the heads off of the, mm. the people they're killing and not to turn anyone you know he actually makes so you know so now he, that's quite a, a revealing point of the way you know the way they do things that you know that uh, you know like a lot of other media that by them biting they can you know it will turn people into vampires but you know, he, you know, he actually makes a point. Take their heads off. You know, just kill them outright. No, no, com- no converting. No, no adding to the tribe tonight. <laughs> so, um, so that was quite an important insight. And then it leads on to a scene where he's um, he, him and the other vampire, especially the female um, main female mm. vampire, um, who's turns out to be his sort of other half, effectively in this film, um, attacks one of the couples which you see earlier and this sort of quite horrible scene where he, he gets the, the, the guy of the, of the couple, you know, pins into the wall, you know, using his sort of vampire vampiric strength. And then basically I think he uses effectively a, a fire stick and just impales him on the wall. So he's uh, shows horrific they are. And uh, then it leads on to Eben and Stella in a, in the uh, sheriff truck and then you got this quite funny scene where they're literally lifting the uh, the, the sheriff mm. truck up. And, you know, again, I think it's now highlighting you know some of the the common vampiric tropes of you know super strength and and such like. And they're literally you know treating. I mean, this is a big truck. <laughs> you know, they're literally just lifting it like nobody's business. So they're just you know lifting it up, trying to you know to tip it over effectively. And you know, then Evan starts going. Well, I think he's using a magnum of some. sort that's uh that's strong he effectively t- takes one of the heads off of one of the vampires mm. with one shot from quite far range so it's uh he's uh packing some uh packing some good guns there and then um and then they manage to escape and then they end up with the you know the other the other survivors effectively that are you know hold up which so you know and such like and then at this point in the film this is actually the first talk of vampires isn't it where they where they're they're in the uh the band whose house is it? I think it's I think it's Carter's house or someone's house. They end up in anyway, where they and I said they have conversations and start think start using the V word at this point, which obviously <laughs> you know they start saying oh vampires don't exist, etc. So yeah, this is where they come into the realization uh, at this point. Um, so then it this is then also the one of the first times at this point you see where they're starting to count down the days of the third day seven pops up on the screen you know, to say right mm-hmm. we're now a week into the madness um so quarter of the way there or so um and then it leads on to a a woman sort of walking mm-hmm. through the the street screaming for help 
you know, which obviously you could think many things at this point. Um, you could think that she's uh, just abandoned and is needing help, but it turns out she's being cleverly used as bait by the uh, vampires, which again, at this point shows that they're, they're, there's a lot of intelligence behind them. I mean, I mean, do you, Dave, do you think that's quite a key point to this, you know, to the vampires in this film that, you know, that their, their knowledge and strategy is quite, you know, is, is important to it. It is. And it looks like um, our head vampire seems to be more, I guess, in control of his, his faculties. Um, They're, you know, they're working as like that sort of that pack mentality um, otherwise. And, um, I don't know. It looks like the the lower tier vampires maybe don't have as much will. You know, they're 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 running off of their emotions a little bit more, or I guess their uh, instincts rather than emotions. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's neat to see that they're using like these tactics, um, but you definitely you know it doesn't you know key as much into that. Uh, the idea of uh sort of a organized like a clan um mm-hmm. where they're just in hiding or they're you know part of some upper crust of society um this is just that sort of down and dirty it's like a, a gang i guess would be more <laughs> yeah. what this feels yeah. like yeah I, I think as well as it it also shows that they're willing to use humans as as sort of their minions effectively um it to me it sort of it reminded me of the um the blade movies or at least the first one where they use humans as sort of their like i said their little servants so i think they're called familiars in the um in the blade movies and it's all about you know again like using the stranger to watch the you know the the means of escape and then they're using this woman as bait you know she's actually in on it because i mean at this point, Eben realizes that she's being used as as bait, and that's why they sort of let you know let her be, basically. And then you see this quite. I, I find this scene actually quite uncomfortable. I mean, I'm pretty open with scenes in in these sort of films, but I I felt the bit where they they're playing with her, you know, sort of slashing her and such like was quite hard to watch. Actually, I thought you know it was sort of it, and you know before they actually you know take her out by uh, biting her neck, etc. So yeah, but you know, that's what happens when you work with vampires <laughs> lesson learnt there. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so then it, uh, moves on to, uh, back, uh, that's it. Eben finds John at this point. So John's the guy that was uh, trying to help his wife earlier with being sort of taken away underneath the, uh, the house. And then he, this way has this, uh, scene with him where he's, he thinks he's, okay but he's effectively turning at this point cameron what do you think of this point mm. with the sort of the turning of from human to vampire do you think it's quite traditional or do you think it's sort of a bit of a different take on it um uh going uh from traditional i think it's a bit different like the way back traditional is you have to drink a vampire's blood and then get bitten all that kind of nonsense this is <laughs> you get scratched and then about a minute later you start turning uh because it happens very quickly yeah, actually which we see right. later in the film mm-hmm. it takes mm-hmm. less than a minute in one yeah. scene but no like john's been out here for days with a broken leg just lying under a house uh you know turning fully presumably but it shows that it's not that they're, they're not mindless animals obviously we've already seen but it shows that 
people who are turned sort of retain a lot of their personality. Yeah. Because, you know, he calls out to Eben. He's like, I've been stuck under here for days. I've, I tried to help my wife. I got hurt. And I'm just so, so thirsty. And Eben just looks at him and then, like, sees his eyes and his teeth and goes, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not actually because it's I, I found it slight inconsistent because I suppose like you said he's been out there for days he's obviously turning and mm. he's retaining some of his human elements obviously he clearly recognizes Eben and you know he still knows about his wife being taken away whereas when you compare to the the other vampires that are part of the 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 gang where they you know they don't they don't speak uh, English mm. they're you know speaking their own language they're they don't even well. They don't, they don't really even speak. They just more howl and scream at each other. Apart mm. from Marlow, so it, it's quite a a funny one where he's taken that long to turn, and then like you said later, there's people that are turning in like I said less than a minute. I mean, there could be a reason for that. Uh, I mean, Dave, do you think there's a reason for that, or is it just just for movie sake? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think to to speed on certain scenes, but um, it's discussed in the sequel a little more um okay. that it's the severity of the uh the bite or the injury um oh okay. that dictates oh, yeah, that makes um, sense. how much of yourself you retain mm. and uh i mean we see that the later in the film uh one of the guys that does turn like almost immediately um he was like mauled so yeah <laughs> it was yeah being fed upon actively and it changed mm. Yeah, whereas yeah. John here has, like, a scratch on his cheek, yeah. effectively. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Ooh, that makes sense. We've cleared it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is where uh, he, you know, he takes out John with a with an axe quite brutally, takes his head off and lands on a on a swing chair, which is quite a nice little scene. Again, quite <laughs> a nice little scene there. And uh, and then it comes up where Marlowe comes up and, vest- and then you see him investigating John's head and and teeth so obviously you clearly see that he was uh turning which was effectively what he didn't want did he you know like mm. I said a few scenes earlier he wanted them just being you know decapitated and and left as that so um we then go to a scene where um back at the you know where the survivors are that um the the dad of I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head but um the guy he's the he's the guys who who's a helicopter was uh, vandalized but his dad tries to you know tries to get out and they're like, trying to contain contain him he's obviously not making any noise and then he then he effectively escapes out the toilet window and um <laughs> and uh, stella gets uh gets knocked over and uh, you know gets a whack on the head at this point and um and then the vampires uh drag the guy off and then they use then there's a because of obviously the weather they use a whiteout um, because there's a blizzard to mm. to basically make a a run to the supply store because obviously they realise they're getting low on supplies and um, they find supplies and then they find something they weren't expecting which is <laughs> a a young vampire girl <laughs> that's uh, again I she was I mean she was quite horrific in this actually I mean Cameron what did you yeah, yeah. Uh, no, she was pretty. She was like you said, pretty horrific. It was also the only part of the movie that felt kind of cheesy to me because you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they like round this aisle, and there's this little girl bent over a dead body and sort of just shaking, and 
the sounds are a little off, but the initial images, oh, this is a kid whose parents being killed, baby. And then she turns around, she's got like this, this beat up teddy bear in one hand, blood all over her face and those weird looking eyes and the sharp teeth. And she just goes, this one's broken. <laughs> and I'm, I just started laughing. I'm like, this is, this entire movie is really, really serious and like really, really dark, not to play on the title, but um, this one moment is just very strange. And, was she one of the residents who turned? Uh, well, they, they don't thought... really sort of know who she was because I think when mm. they after they kill her, they one of the one of the women asks who the, the she was, and no one seems to know really at this point. Yeah. So okay, so she's... in that case, she might have actually come with the vampires and yeah. just be a very young vampire. Yeah, potentially. Which, you don't. Yeah. Which is interesting because she can you know talk freely as well. So. Like uh, like we're discussing earlier, maybe she's one of the less injured ones whenever she turned and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a quite an interesting scene because she sort of because she at this point she this she attacks Carter and mm. they you know they pin and they they do this team effort of pinning her to the wall and mm. uh, then Jake decides to uh, use the axe and gets his first kill. You know, and he's mm. uh, obviously a bit of a double blow for him really because i suppose the yeah. fact he's had to kill someone or mm. a vampire but then the fact they had to be a young girl as well which obviously you know mm. he's fit back 15 years old in the film so he's uh, obviously quite traumatized by what he he had to do even though he realizes that he, he had to do it so yeah it's quite a, quite an interesting scene Qu- quite scary but quite cheesy yeah. at the same time <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we move on to day 18 so we're just over halfway in the uh, the cycle, um, and then I find this odd because this is the point where they decide that they're going to try using ultraviolet on them mm. and make a run from it. Um, I, why I say I find this odd is I know that they are aware of them being vampires, effectively, but I suppose that's a bit of a risky solution. Are they, you know, were they basing it on their own, not like? law knowledge that that you know that <laughs> vampires are affected by you know forms of light that you know i mean dave what do you think on this well i mean they they call it out they they say that they're not sure if it's going to work but they're mm-hmm. also specifically pointing out that they came here for a reason and it's literally 30 days of night and yep. that's beneficial only to the vampires so they figure yeah. well if they're if they're took the time to come all the way up here to the top of the world you know and <laughs> wait for this specific time of year where there's no sunlight it's probably you know a, a good bet that sunlight hurts them yeah. yeah yeah and they had to send someone else in while there was still sunlight around to start the process of cutting the town off yeah they couldn't yeah. do it yeah. themselves yeah yeah because they because effectively they they're using uh the ultraviolet lamp of grandma which she uses to grow her her pot which is obviously where it ties in from earlier quite you know she she got her stuff there and um so evan creates a diversion you know gets the the vampires to to chase him and then makes it into uh, into grandma's house um it and then you then this is quite while this is happening you see them creeping out and uh, a, another female vampire takes out one of the uh, the survivors it's mm. a bit of a non-scene really it's sort of 
jumps off one of the roofs, take, kills him, and they all seem to move on. Um, then it cuts back to Eben in the, uh, you know, stuck in the house. He's got, he's got the, and um, this is where you see again, more of the, the vampire sort of howls and grunts and screams, you know, a way of talking to each other. Cause effectively you can see that um, the main female vampire, which I think her name is Iris in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, who's Marlowe's other half obviously fancies uh, to have a go at taking out Eben. But then she smashes through the door, and then to her horror, she uh, gets the full UV lamp treatment, um, which then obviously causes her to back away, and she then effectively starts disintegrating. You know, she she's mm. caught a bit of sunburn on the side of her face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty nasty, and um, yeah, so she you can see that, like I said, the way it affects them in in this movie is that. Like I said, the, the skin starts to, you know, starts turning to ash effectively, and and uh, start, she can see, you know, that she, like I said, she's effectively disintegrating. Um, and then Evan at this point decides to, uh, you know, call in, say, "Yep, yeah, it's working. They're going to cut the power. Oh, they've cut the power." There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a little, quite little scene there. Um, and then, sort of unexpectedly, Marlo decides to. Um, kill iris because obviously you can see that she's effectively dying and yeah, so it's a you know well let's be a mercy kill in this and um ironically you know ironically bites and bites her neck <laughs> to you know to kill her um i mean what do you think on this dave uh well marlo has a lot of good one-liners i mean here he he says in his own language you know uh um, what I think it's what can be broken must be broken, or That's what right, is yeah, broken must be broken. So mm-hmm. they they don't tolerate um, damaged goods, I guess, on their, yeah, on their yeah. own team, uh, <laughs> which is well, it's a little weird. Um, it doesn't jive with the lore they set down in the second film. Okay, um, but. It's I don't know it's it's an evocative scene I guess yeah uh, it's, again well, it feels like that idea of sharks or something you know so a wounded animal and the pack just turns on it and, yeah, uh, yeah 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 I mean briefly what did what what happened you know from the second film what do, how how does that not fit in you know without sort of saying too much <laughs> um well you know we might not cover this one so uh, guess down to breast tacks um. If the vampire's head isn't cut off, mm. it doesn't matter the circumstances. It can be resurrected with blood. Right. Oh, okay. So even if they're exposed to sunlight and burnt to a crisp, as long as you pour mm. blood down their throat, they'll just come back to life. Oh. So okay. They're wow. literally immortal until their head's chopped off. Right. Okay. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So it was. I mean, <laughs> they they set it up specifically um, in the second film on multiple occasions, and okay. It, I mean, that being the case, he should have just fed her more blood, and she would have been fine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. it's, it, I mean, it would take away from the scene, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thing was a little weird. I mean, he, he makes this what could be a suicidal run. I mean, he acknowledges I'm you know. This probably might not work, um, mm. uh, Evan. And um, he, they go through all that trouble. Separate. He's by himself. He has the lamps, and he he kills one vampire 
Okay, that's that's not very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's there's like twenty of them. Good, good yeah, job, Evan. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pull your finger out, Evan. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, then it cuts back to back to the other guys where they're where you've got um, character Bo, who's um, he's been in quite a few movies actually. Um, mm. Can't remember the guy's uh, name, but. Uh, yeah, so Mark Boone Jr. is the, the guy. He's he's in like Sons of Anarchy, and he's been in quite a few other things. So he's he's driving the the, the truck from earlier, the one that uh, took out Stella's car right towards the movie, the one that's got the big chainsaw on. So he's, mm. he's he's you know he's going proper old school, just driving, smashing guns. You know he's doing it all really. It's all it's all Evil Dead. He's uh, yeah. probably going for it. And quite a nice little scene where he, there's a vampire that jumps onto the front of the truck. He shoots through the screen using his shotgun, which then throws it onto the chainsaw, which then sort of eviscerates it, uh, mm. which is quite cool. And then he ends up sort of effectively driving the the vehicle into, I think it's a looks like a bar of some sort. It's the bar, I think. Yeah. 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 And he he you know realizes that he's effectively been backed into a corner. And he's, he uses a flare to, you know, blow up a box of explosives at his feet, which then causes the bar to, to explode. But then, unfortunately for for him, he hasn't. This hasn't actually killed him. <laughs> it's just merely injured him. And then mm. you got this sort of quite horrible scene where Marlowe walks up to him and sort of effectively crushes his skull with his foot. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of uh, Bo at this point, and. Um, Eben, you know, sees all this and, you know, run, runs back to the station, um, you know, and obviously, you know, recouping with all the guys that are left at this point. And um, I think at this point, there's about six of them left. Yeah. One of the guys goes, nope, there's five of you. And then that happens to be Carter, who, real, who realizes that he's starting to turn because he took a, took a wound when he, when they were dealing with a vampire girl back in the supply store earlier. So he, is this quite sort of heartfelt scene where he's sort of describing about his family and, and such like, and you know, then you know, like I say, he starts to turn. Then he goes, <laughs> he goes a bit like a like they're putting down a dog. They take him to another room, and Eben <laughs> sort of just ends him before he uh, he starts to to turn mm. at this point. And then by this point, we're now on day twenty seven of the thirty days. So we're you know, there's about five of them left at this point and we're obviously coming to the, the, the end part of the film. And um, at this point, I, and I'd completely forgotten about it is they, they come across Billy who's the, uh, obviously the deputy sheriff because they haven't really mm. sort of seen him. <laughs> sort of he's done, he's had a bit of a light, uh, light acting role in this one. He's, sort of, <laughs> he's been, dis- he's disappeared for an hour and a half in the film and they, uh, they come across him and, and then they sort of, find that he's he's killed his family at this you know to sort of take them out before they get converted by uh, vampires i mean what did you think of this cameron it's quite quite horrific wasn't it uh yeah uh what it really reminds me of uh have either of you watched uh a movie called the mist yeah i was just gonna say yeah that. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no it reminds me of um spoilers for the mist uh it's <laughs> it's an apocalypse movie there's a giant fog cloud covers everywhere. There are monsters in the mists. And the end of the movie is the protagonist gets his son and a few people out 
and they drive and they drive and they drive until the car breaks down and out in the mist there's you know all the monsters so he can't let that happen so he shoots his son the two other people he managed to get out but they only had three bullets but then the reveal there is the mist was about to be cleared away you know the military's come in they're saving the day and it's just him screaming his heart out by the side of the car and that was immediately what I thought of you know Billy Mm -hmm. sitting there he shot his entire family meanwhile you know help was only a few houses away technically (laughs) um (laughs) yeah yeah, it's quite yeah what do you think Dave yeah very emotional yeah um pretty much the same thing there uh yeah I don't know it doesn't doesn't go into um you know when he Mm. killed his family was it was it immediately did they make it like 15 mm-hmm. days how much food he's wounded um yes. mm. he, he seemed to like not even leave the bedside uh he's kind of hobbled um he, he does go to say that he was you know intending to kill himself as well um his gun jammed uh, un- yeah for him unfortunately um i don't know <laughs> it was it's it an evocative scene yeah absolutely um, yeah, it, it just kind of hit home that it, it tries to make this more of a, a people experience, I guess. You're getting yeah. a yeah. bit more yeah, characterization. Because um, otherwise, you know, people just get dragged off and you don't really have any concept of, you know, who they are in this town. It's just it's no. another, another villager. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that that's Absolutely. what I felt at this moment was yeah, doing. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so... He, so they 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 decide to carry Billy off, take him back to the station where they realise that everyone else has scarpered back to the uh, the, uh, the the plant from earlier. So they um, then, as a, the three of them are heading off to the plant, Stella saves Gail, who's uh, basically an abandoned you know a child that's been left by herself because the rest of her family have been killed off. So they mm-hmm. she decides to you know sort of grab her and. And take her out of the way, and then they. This is this point where Eben and Billy uh, head off, and Stella stays with Gail. You know, meet you at the plant, etc. Um, and then at this point, Marlow is uh, on top of the roofs with the uh, with the rest of the vampires, and basically telling them, "This is at this point now. I, you know, we need to kill everyone. You know, we have There's going to be no evidence left of of um, us being here." effectively mm. so no you know no one no one to tell the tale you know basically keep the keep the legend alive etc so he uh you know and obviously the other vampires relish this because they love doing that <laughs> and uh so uh it, it culminates with a scene uh at the plant where uh billy gets bitten by um one of the main uh zombie not zombies main <laughs> vampires god I'm at it again. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he gets bitten by uh, one of the main vampires. Um, and then, it, you know, there's a, a quite cool little fight scene and ends up with the, that vampire getting uh, knocked into the crusher and mm. t- you know, put into a million pieces. Uh, which, so at this point, would he, so based on the law of the second film, he would he would they be able to <laughs> resurrect him? I don't know actually. Nah, he was turned into paste. Yeah, I think that's. I think his thing. head was uh, crushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. That, I think yeah. that counts. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Billy, he get, Billy loses his hand in this uh, yeah. situation, which is uh, quite gory, and <laughs> you know, screaming mm. his head off. And um, 
And again, because he's been, this is what we were saying earlier, isn't it? Where Billy, you know, Billy transforms quite quickly at yeah, this point. This he's, scene you know, is like less than a minute. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's on the way to, to Vampireville now. He's, uh, he's starting to turn the eyes are going, the teeth are showing. And, you know, Eben realizes, unfortunately, like he's had to do with many others, he's got to take Billy out as well. So, We've had Billy back for five minutes, and now he's <laughs> he's, uh, he's been taken out. Um, so now it goes back to Stella and Gail, where they have been properly separated, you know, from the group at the plant because you know they can't, they've just got no way of getting there. So uh, then we see this quite cool scene with the the vampires effectively, you know, cutting holes into the uh, the pipes, you know, let, letting oil out, and then they start uh, putting the the uh, town ablaze at this point again reinforcing they don't want to leave any evidence and the the survivors in the plant realize this as well that oh no there's going to be no no one left alive they're just going to put you know there's women sort of put this key line that oh there's going to be no one left to you know to tell about this tale they're just going to think it was some big accident which mm. um, obviously Eben at this point realizes that he do, you know he doesn't want to ha- happen you know this to happen and uh, he decides to take one for the team really at this point <laughs> where he he injects him you know injects himself with uh billy's you know contaminated blood um where you know he can you know he can and it, this is quite a cool little line where as he starts to turn that he says i can smell your blood to the to the other people which i thought it was quite cool and mm. um again i think the, the whole i know he obviously injects himself with, with the blood but again i think it's playing a, a role in the or homage to the whole drinking blood, you know, of other films. Like you said, mm. you got to you know, drink their blood, then get bitten, etc. It's sort of, a, you know, more of a modern version of that with an injection. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, so effectively Eben is uh, turning into a, a vampire so he can, you know, he can end it effectively. So he, he goes down, confronts Marlowe, and they have a bit of an interesting uh, sort of fight scene. Um, what, well, Dave? What do you think of this sort of uh, final showdown between Marlo? Yeah, the the sweet Eben showdown. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's it's that. Uh, what is he? Marlo says, "Oh, he's like you're the what do you call him? You're the the, the one know, who the fights. Attacker. Yeah, the one who fights. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Um, so and he." Um, Marlo showed this before when he mm. stepped on Gus's head. I mm. I felt that that was like an acknowledgement of um, power. I mean, he, he's like, yeah, this guy went out of his way to come back, and he you know he killed a bunch of my dudes, but yeah, um, yeah. he's like acknowledging that and not even bothered to feed on him. He's just going to kill him, yeah, like, as a service mm. to um, Gus. Um, and he does the yeah. same thing here, where there's an unspoken like. Um, you know, hey, all y'all, just stand back. I'll I'll take out this guy. So they literally just sort of duke it out, and it's it's yeah. it's pretty great. It's yeah, yeah. Little, you got the fire in the background. Yeah, and it's a very evocative sort of, scene. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, um, um, I guess one thing we really didn't talk about was it's you know we said the whiteout, but it's utterly you know it's Alaska. It's just snow cover. Yeah. So any yeah. blood. Stands out like a oh lot. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, absolutely. Um, that's uh, the one part I sort of discuss when they they mm. do show this aerial shot of this 
the town they show it with these just blood splatters and trails just all over the city Mm. um you can see the carnage just becomes visible i mean at a a level that uh, most other movies really don't show i mean we've said that it's it's gory but this is like you see the full effect of what these vampires are doing they're just literally the pound Mm. the the pound the town's been painted red um (laughs) And uh, now yeah. it's on fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cameron, what do you think of this scene? Uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a decent enough you know climax of the movie fight scene. Um, it's like it's got sort of the one bit of real ganky looking CG in it right at the end. Uh, Evan, <laughs> of course, being our hero protagonist, wins his fight. Uh, you know, he looks like he's on the ropes and then Milo jumps at him. He just kind of sticks his arm out and through the back of Milo's head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, just, it just looks a bit janky there, but the rest of it's choreographed quite nicely. Yeah. There's sort of a bit of a back and forth. Um, as Yeah, like as the town's burning around, all these other vampires are watching. It's, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, no, I, I really like the uh, the sort of the what I would consider the climax is the bit after this, you know, the vampires all flee, I think, yeah. right? They run off. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Vampires all run off and it's sort of the first sunrise for a month. And we sort of end on that, uh, that same point from the start of the movie where they went to see the sunset. Now, Evan and Stella go to see the sun rise. Yeah. And she sort of holds him in her arms as the sun rises. And it's this, the sort of the shot of Evan as this happens is really, really good for me. I'm not yes. sure exactly why I like it so much, but you see just how powerful the sun is yeah. uh, as sort of an enemy for these vampires. Cause he just, he turns into a charcoal brick. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, 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 I think for me, it's the, when he, when he lies, mm. he's burning. Cause you know, in other films sometimes when, when vampires, cause there's, there's another scene, in another film, is it one of the Blade films where where mm. one of the vampires sort of gets dis- disintegrates at the end, you know, but you know does it in a in quite a peaceful way where it just you know yeah. the sun comes like the sunset. Whereas that one was quite, you know, he lets out this horrible mm. scream as he sort of you know he gets burnt, and you know, which must be horrific for her, obviously having to mm. hold him mm. through it. So yeah, it's, it is a powerful scene, you know. Obviously, you see her with you know tears in her eyes, and and you you've got that, you know, I've seen things, man sort yeah. of look that she's got her face <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and um there's the the end of uh, 30 days of night you know a whole month's worth of it so yeah it's uh mm. so dave what do you as a whole what do you sort of overall think of the film mm, i enjoyed the vampires uh the problem with it being 30 days long and only marked with uh, the little day stamps like in the corner of this. I didn't, I didn't even see all of those. I would forget what day mm. it's on and it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, it might as well have just literally been over the course of one night because that's what it felt like. Yes. Um, yeah, you don't see them, the, the townsfolk like starving or eating or doing anything with food. It's like 30 days, guys. Mm. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, as far as the vampires go, it establishes a pretty solid uh, take on uh, vampiric lore, and it's it's a little different um, than what we get with you know Nosferatu, Dracula, or any of the other ones. <laughs> this, these guys are their own 
breed of vampire. Um, I really, yeah, I really dig the fact that they're sort of shark-like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. What about you, Cameron? Uh, yeah. Uh, 30 Days of Night was actually one of the first real horror movies I watched. This sort of got me into monster and horror movies a lot more uh, oh, cool. when I was when I was younger. Uh, I watch it like late high school sometime, but um, no, I really like this movie. It does. Uh, we've glossed over a lot of the stuff that didn't involve direct action, obviously, because we can't focus on every single conversation. But there's <laughs> a lot of tension in you know the people. They're forced to live in an attic for like 15 days, yeah. not able to speak above a whisper, not able to move too quickly because they'll shake the floorboards, stuff like that, and it builds that suspense a lot as well, fairly well. Uh, like Dave said, the sense of time is all out of proportion, but I think if that was managed a bit better, this would be a really, really fantastic movie. It's still great. I love it. And I really love the, yeah, the more shark-like look and sort of feel to the vampires. They're very yeah. good modern, a very good modern vampire film, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with pretty much all you, both points all the points you both say because i you know i think that it's a good movie i, I it's definitely enjoy i don't think it's one of those that could be better like, like i said dave if they um made the whole 30 days a bit more of a prominent thing where like you said it, it might as well just be overnight effectively um i love the vampires in it i think that they're they're great that like i said they're very the feralness that but the fact that they're they're almost like the ones in other films where they're sort of almost zombie-like, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They've still got a bit of bit of sense to them. I think, Mar- you know, Marlowe as a character was great. Um, I think, you know, he, he, he quite haunting. Um, I think, mm-hmm. to be fair, the the actual characters, the you know, the human characters in it, I think, are pretty generally pretty forgettable. Apart from probably mm-hmm. the stranger. As ben, you know, ben Foster's yeah. character. I think the rest of them. I mean, Josh Harnett, he did a, a good job, but I think he could have been anyone else, to be fair. You know, he didn't, it wasn't, it didn't make any, to me, it's one of those where I don't think it made a difference. It was Josh Harnett. It could have been someone else. Um, and the rest of them will do their roles, you know, well. But, you know, again, I think they were, you know, generally generic. But I think the premise behind it was really good. I think the whole, you know, whole town, you know, in the middle of sort of nowhere and, and the whole 30 days and, and lack of sunlight i think it was a great idea you know i think it's you know i think it's definitely a it's one it is a decent you know vampire movie so no it's it's good um right i think um it's time for stakeland in contrast (laughs) now this will be an interesting one so cameron let's tell me about stakeland yeah our next our next movie is stakeland it's directed by jim mickle uh, we don't have any of his other works listed on here, and I'm not sure if this was his first film or not. Uh, and it's also written by Nick Domici, who is one of the primary uh, characters in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stakeland sort of focuses on a world... It's it's almost like a post-apocalypse zombie movie, but yeah. instead of zombies, we have vampires, which yeah. uh, makes it quite interesting as well. Makes it a bit different, but it feels like... Setting-wise, it feels grounded and very good. It's comfortable where it is, and this movie is a lot of fun. Definitely, I echo those points. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think it was actually a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I think, like I said, the the post-apocalyptic side of things does make it interesting. I think the the fact that 
like you said, that it, it it could quite easily be a zombie movie. Really, it's just mm. obviously it's changed slightly because of obviously them starting to be vampires. Um, I mean, Dave, what do you think? What was your sort of initial thoughts of Stateland? Um, my thoughts were I wanted to play the video game of this. Like yes, like <laughs> yes, I thought that as well. Style definitely that would be I mean, great. Even if it was a Far Cry, I would mm, yeah. still play it because yeah. this does feel like the setting of Far Cry Five. Yeah, just with yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'd totally be on on board for that. It's uh, the again, this is a thing where the the setting itself is a it's almost a stronger character than anything else. I mean, in the movie, everyone's sort of uh, um, archetypal uh, characters, really. Mm. Um, but as a whole, I. I probably enjoyed this more um, than I did uh, 30 Days of Night. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to really take away from the other film, but this mm. is it's yeah. a whole different uh, feel. Like completely, yeah. which, was, which was good. A uh, little, little change of uh, palette here. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I'd agree with that. I think throughout the whole time I was watching it, I thought this would make a fantastic video game it's just got that just the setting it reminded me without the nuclear side of things it reminded me of fallout to be fair that's yeah, yeah. Though, you know just going from area to area you know where the people are bartering with whatever they've got etc I, I you know again just taking out the nuclear side of things but i yeah. think it it really it really had that sort of vibe going for it you know with a mm. with a great you know main character as well so effectively you know the main sort of start of the film you see um this boy's parents uh being killed what by what obviously turns out to be uh, a vampire now with this one in contrast to uh 30 days a night you do see the vamp the very you know the first vampire you see all of it really don't you quite prominently um mm. so you know the boys the boys outside um I think he's looking for his dog, isn't he? At this point, I think. Um, and he, yeah, yeah, the dog uh, ran outside of the barn. That's it. In. That's it. So he, he, you know, so the boy, which turns out to be one of the main characters, um, is outside, and you know, he's he hears screams and smashing of windows, etc. And you know, basically sees his, you know, his parents uh, being killed by the by this vampire. Now, he before he gets a chance to actually react. Um, uh, the you know the main character or main vampire hunter uh, Nick Dimitri, who is called Mister in this film, um, pins Martin the boy to the you know to the floor and basically say, look, effectively your uh, your parents are dead. Don't you know? Don't try and get involved at this point. Let let it happen. And so they both you know go into the uh, into the parents' house and uh, you see the vampire. The vamp- these vampires, you know, they're feral, similar to the ones in 30 Days a Night, but these are a lot more, to me, they look more like a zombie than the other ones, mm. you know, whereas, you know, the other ones in 30 Days a Night were very pale and obviously you saw the, the sort of the blood beards that we were talking about, etc. <laughs> but, they, you know, these are, you know, these have got that sort of crustiness of and and sort of real deranged, you know, have no real sense of what they're doing apart from just, you know, just killing people effectively. So, um, you know, so you see this really, cool scene where you know where uh, mister and takes out uh, the vampire with the with the stake um, which obviously is going to be quite a prominent the film as well hence the name of the film and uh, and then quite mercilessly he kill he he 
kills Mar- uh, Martin's dad right in front of him without any real, <laughs> real uh, hesitation, which because obviously he's going to turn himself and obviously puts him out of his misery. So, and then, and then you uh, sort of see <laughs> this scene late next where, uh, Mister's going. Welcome to Stakeland, <laughs> the world's worst <laughs> theme park. <laughs> so, um, so you've you know effectively throughout this film with Mister and Martin, you've got a you know he effectively takes over as his carer and father figure. You know, he's, you you get multiple times, including now where you get a uh, Mr. Miyagi montage <laughs> training scenes <laughs> of, uh, you know, teaching Martin to be a uh, vampire killer throughout, you know, so he can um, uh, defend himself. Um, yeah. So what, you know, so going back to these, um, this first vampire, what, you know, so Dave, what did you think of the vampires in this one? Um, they have that feeling of the vampires from, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I guess. If you just yeah, yeah more zombies, yeah. they they have a distinctive like their <laughs> bone structures changed on their face. You can't mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. confuse these with a the person. They're not going to hide in society. They're just <laughs> blood hungry <laughs> monsters. Um, yeah. And I think one one I don't know if it's an issue I had with the film or just something that it mm-hmm. speaks to the setting. Uh, it's called Stakeland, and the people in the movie and in the sequel they, they literally call it Stakeland. that that's yeah, what yeah. the continental united states is referred to as and other parts of the world <laughs> but uh mm. for some reason mister is like literally the only vampire hunter like no one else will even bother <laughs> trying to fight them i don't i didn't get yeah. that that part yeah. Um. Everyone's in awe of his, you know, elite <laughs> vampire slaying skills. <laughs> uh, he's just stabbing them with a, a pointy stick, dude. It's, it's yeah. It's, there was no reason for them to only have one like uber hunter. Um. He is. He's good <laughs> at what he does. I mean, they they don't shy away from that. They go out of their way, I think, to showcase and um. So well, the movie is it's narrated by Martin. This is from his point of view, mm, like the yeah, entire film. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we get him repeatedly saying that, um, Mr's, you know, he's, he's hard to kill, you know, he's not mm. going to go down that easy. Um, and we, uh, for, for good. I mean, we, we see that that's played out. So they do a lot of, um, showing and telling, which is, a, which is nice. Yeah, mm. absolutely. What do you, what do you think, Cameron? Uh, yeah, no, I really like, the vampires in this, they really lend a lot to the feel. Uh, like you said, they're kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer-like, but they're also really uh, zombie-like as well. You know, they're 30 days of night. If a vampire is someone who's turning, yeah, you, you know, you get injured, you begin to turn. These ones, they feel like corpses that have risen. And this is what a lot of people say. You know, it's the dead are coming back to life and trying to feed on the living. It's very zombie-like. Um, one of my favorite touches is a lot of them have this purple tint to their skin, mm. which is actually a, sort of an older piece of vampire lore. If you suspected there was a vampire in town, you dig up recent corpses. And if there was one that was sort of fat faced and purple, that one was the vampire. Ah, uh, yeah. Cause it had been bloating itself up with blood and stuff. So yeah, I, I mean, was, uh, they, they are digging into a lot of folklore in, for the portrayal of these, like specifically like Americana 
folklore mm. uh, or yeah. even maybe a little bit of that uh um norse mythology with like the jogger so these mm. are revenants mm. they're not um yeah they're not portrayed as living things it's yeah, yeah. It's that idea of dead come back to life to to feast on your blood <laughs> sweet blood <laughs> sings to me <laughs> Yeah, so um, so like you said, they Martin is doing, he's narrating what's happening. Um, he makes a point that you know they're effectively they're traveling north, avoiding the main cities because obviously they're the the hostile and danger areas. With you know from a vampire and other people point of view, um, you know you, you're sort of being let into what sort of happened prior to this. Um, that you know basically everything's a mess effectively you know where there's vampires uh, and the plague is you know effect of vampires effectively taken over that there's pockets of you know humans in you know in different areas all you know coming together and uh, each other's throats in some cases and, and such like so you're you know you're getting an insight of what's what the film's about um and there's this quite cool little line that martin says which i i, I just thought it stood out where mm. he talks about which you're going to see later, the cults. And he goes, um, cults spread like wildfire across, waiting for the Messiah, but he never came. Death came in his stead and it came with teeth. I just thought, I just thought it was a really cool line. You know, it sort of summed it up, you know, that they're thinking this is, you know, effectively uh, God's work, but it was just death and death with teeth. <laughs> so I thought, I thought quite a cool little uh, line in it. And um, it then goes on to, um, where Mister is explaining to Martin about a he's looking at a vampire corpse, which is a corpse of what they refer to as a berserker vampire, which is which t- turns out to be basically the older and stronger type vampires um, that are around. Where he makes a point that you can't stake them because they've got um, I think it's a is it their breastplate, isn't it? You can't their heart yeah. is basically protected. So the only real way of taking them out, which he shows, is um, shoving a knife in the back in the you know in the back of the base of their neck to to take them out and basically screw, you know, take their brain out so um you know which again will come into play later so so we've got we haven't just got normal vampires we've got berserker vampires range for the family um and um you know so it follows them you know effectively like i said bit by bit they're heading north there's you know this bit where they they come to a a little roadblock, which the which is actually a train. <laughs> mm. So you know they have to. They obviously, I think, is obviously when they're searching. You know, particularly Mister, he's he's obviously carrying quite a few vampire teeth, isn't he? Which obviously, yeah, you know, is a a form of currency in in this film, but B, it also shows that he's not to be messed with. <laughs> that you know, he's got <laughs> he's got them for good reason. You know, he's uh, like you said, he is the only va- the only vampire hunter of so the country. So, so, but <laughs> so be it. You know, he's doing he does, he's doing all right for himself. Um, and uh, yeah, so they you know they keep moving north, and you know at this point in the film, it's a bit slower because you you know you you've had a few action scenes but you know you're you're seeing you know when martin gets checked over at the doctors and and you know has a haircut and get they hold it you know get some supplies and you know they get what they can etc and um also at this point mister makes a point of saying um when he's talking to martin that unless you sever the spine 
they keep coming. It was his exact mm-hmm. words. So again, you know, playing into into that side of things. Um, again, in the conversations, there's talk of cannibals at this point. You know, that because obviously they're talking about the north or getting as north as possible, but no one really knows particularly much about the north. Mm. It's, there's nothing up there and there's no solace to be had up there. So, you know, again, it's setting that they're sort of going into the bit of the, the unknown. Um, and at this point as well, in, in this sort of, uh, little town that they are, um, I, I think Mr. uses a prostitute, doesn't he? I think that's how I saw that scene mm. where he sort of, he see, you know, he has a, an, a, a, a scene with the na- lady of the night. <laughs> so you know he's doing what you know getting you know which i think is just showing that you know he's still human after all and has, mm. has needs etc <clears throat> so um and then <laughs> there's this uh quite cool little scene where the they're you know they're driving along and this is where you, we're now going to meet um a nun called sister yeah, quite an mm. original name as you can tell that <laughs> and uh, <laughs> where she's being chased by uh two rapists effectively and mm. come out, in, out of the bushes onto the road. Um, Dave, what do you think of this scene with the, uh, a certain projectile that he uses? <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, very, very Castlevania. Um, yeah. I guess a, a quick note on our, our sister in this is that's, um, she's played by, um, Kelly McGillis and mm. I, I didn't recognize her. Um, yeah, because I had seen her, uh, what was the, she, the innkeepers uh was the movie she was mm. in just prior to this and um, she thinks mm-hmm. about the same but all i could ever think of was oh it's she's from top gun but top she gun, yeah. definitely yeah. i mean she aged a, a little <laughs> so yeah she, yeah well hell, she yeah. Didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't fare as well as uh mr tom cruise but um <laughs> yeah no her her character's uh well done i mean as far as mm. uh kind of Ending, uh, not ending. Um, lending a, a little bit more humanity to um, our uh, Mister. Um, he yeah. he stops the car, and they you know uh, they save her from the uh, her would be or I guess it wasn't really would be um, her attackers. Mm. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so he just kind of has handy uh, two um, sharpened you know stakes. Uh, tied together in a form of a cross and they're yes. they're pretty big it's uh maybe the <laughs> size of your forearm or something and he just chucks it yeah sort of like a boomerang and it <laughs> just hits the guy <laughs> right in the back yeah and um uh yeah he, he just dispenses with the other one I don't if he cuts his throat or yeah. something yeah well yeah, i think he, i think he punches him in the throat there's one of the wasn't it really it's like it's quite yeah it's brutal, pretty, pretty brutally pop yeah, yeah he walks yeah. in and just pops him one and stabs him i think um mm. but oh that that's one of the thing is they don't rely on uh any kind of modern weapons or anything fancy they literally yeah. made their bone arrow and and stakes and stakes yeah. knives mm. i mean it, that's what they use against their human opponents as well. So yeah. I thought that that also lent at that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, that sort of feel. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, everything's yeah, just as well. down and yeah. dirty. It's very gritty. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a it was a good scene. Um, unfortunate that they had to use this uh, sexual assault angle um, mm. as they mm. are want to do. Um, 
but it I mean it, it moves the story forward a little bit as you know cementing a little bit larger of the cast as uh, yeah. sister joins the the group or the duo yeah. I guess yeah it's a shame that the, like I said they use a sexual assault angle on it because it won't I don't think it was particularly necessary it could have been anything they were just trying to rob you know because obviously it's mm-hmm. a, in a world where you know you try and get everything you can get hold of station's gone uh, down the toilet etc so yeah you know, but you don't, I mean, luckily it was one of those where you, there was no, you don't really see anything. It was just more her being chased than, than anything. And, um, it moves on with where they sort of suggest again with Martin's narration that she, they were going to sort of, you know, sort of move her on, but obviously she sticks mm. with them because like Martin says, where are we going to, where are we going to take her? Where are we going to drop her off? You know, there's no <laughs> to go. So mm. they've got sister in, in tow with them. And, um, then they you know move on and and then you see this this really quite cool little scene with the the uh, the house and the um they they show them setting traps you know by putting um like empty cans etc on a on a string you know for obviously mm. noise etc and then they they cut you know cut some blood to to draw the zombie oh, zombies I'm doing it again vampires <laughs> in well I guess we're, like, what we're covering next right yeah I know. yeah it, yeah apparently it's, it's, it's me being sub, you know subliminal messaging I'm let's do a zombie episode <laughs> <laughs> it's just to be fair I think in this film especially they do act a bit like zombies really yeah but I think that's um so it's, it's in it's in my brain um but anyway <laughs> vampires and so they they um so they lay some traps and there's this, like I said, quite cool little scene where they use a, <laughs> a teddy bear, <laughs> which I'm assuming <laughs> has got blood on it uh, as bait yeah. to, um, to effectively, you know, trap a, um, the vampire in a, in a bear trap. Uh, what, what Cameron, what do you think of this? Yeah. Uh, I, I really like this. It's, it's sort of, um, it's the scene that really cements the vampires as sort of this non thinking, very definitely undead kind of threat because you know it's it's a teddy bear on a string it's very obviously a teddy bear on a string (laughs) but this vampire is just desperately crawling towards it like it's this big juicy steak or something and follows it right up onto a bear trap and then you get a pretty good fight scene actually with mr and martin and the bear trapped vampire uh where you see they're actually quite strong because the vampire yanks uh, the bear traps on its arm yanks yeah. the bear trap and train like breaks a metal bar they were chained to and sort of starts swinging it around. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he, he also takes the the, the stake because obviously Martin misses with the the stake mm. I think, um, and then she like rips it out and and such like, and because he realizes he missed the heart etc. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's quite like you said. It is quite a scene, isn't it? It's, it's setting. You know, showing you, like I said, how how feral they are, but how also, mm. you know, how strong they are, and um, which because I think the the one the the vampire they put down is a friend or someone that the sister knows. Yeah, I believe. I think it's one of her former parishioners or something. No, yeah, it's a fellow yeah. um, nun. Or oh, is it? Oh, right. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, so they they have, they bury her. You know, they um, sort of the next in the morning next day, and and like I said, sister goes with them. Um, they move on, and then this is where we're now going to see the the evil group, apart from the vampires that are in this film, mm. where they um, 
they find this i suppose it's like a big like a big tent isn't it effectively where there's yeah. a, dinner. And a marquee it looks like a it, revivalist they, tent yeah mm. that's right and yeah it, and it, it they effectively you know can't walk in and there's sort of bodies around and and they hear a baby crying and you know in what would be a cot at the end they pull it back and it's a it's a tape recording and then obviously the bodies come to life and it turns out you know they they get um you know kidnapped by uh what turns out to be the brotherhood now the brotherhood it's like god it sounds like we're, we're covering a resident evil game here, isn't it? the brotherhood is command and conquer yeah <laughs> yeah, the Brotherhood. Of, yes, the Brotherhood of Nod uh, <laughs> coming to state, and <laughs> and then we now meet Kane. No, it's um. So we so basically the Brotherhood are a, a like a fundamentalist militia, um, mm. like a you know religious military cult. Yeah, that um that sort of effectively believe that the vampires are God's work, effectively, and you know, and this is where we sort of now see them, and so they're they're you know so you, you see the scene now where the throat you know sister martin and mister are being you know taken you know into into their you know into their base effectively and mm. you, the the brotherhood are sort of i don't know they're masked but they they, they sort of got, i suppose they almost like they've got big sacks over their head and they? they're sort of yeah. like potato sacks that have been, they've got like a sort of <laughs> cross on their on their sort of like a metal cross on their um yeah, I mean they're a bit, I suppose, in a way, like a a, a bit KKK like, yeah. you know, in their way yeah. they're sort of portrayed, you know. And mm. I mean, what do you think, Cameron? Uh, yeah, well, they they dress like they're from the KKK. Um, later on, you hear like radio broadcasts from them, and they call themselves an Aryan group as well. So it's like the KKK got in bed with the Nazis in the vampire post-apocalypse almost yeah they're being very they're being very clearly painted as the uh the bad guys here yeah absolutely um yeah uh, there was actually with the tent actually a bit of a joke i think because it kept shooting back and forth between cups in all the dead people quotation marks hands and this uh punch bowl and i think the joke was they all drank the kool-aid uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you mean, like where they sort of commit suicide or something? You mean like well, yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah. the generic cult thing. <laughs> yeah, generic, but, yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, but no, they they turn out to be some some pretty pretty nasty sort of alt right fundamentalist Christian vampire lovers. Uh, <laughs> it's just what the world <laughs> what just what the world needs <laughs> when there's a, an outbreak of vampires. Um, yeah, so we 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 meet um, their sort of effectively their leader, um, who's Jebediah Loven. Great mm. name, Jebediah. Um, McLovin. So, and it, no. He he basically explains that uh, one of the one of the would be rapists of you know for the of the sister was actually his son. I'm presuming it was. I don't know actually which one it was. I was dreaming it was one he, he hit in the throat, but I don't no, know. No, no. With the, he, he got the, you know, oh, the steak cross. That was it. Was it? Steak. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he, he, you know, he sort of explains that, yeah, that was his son and, you know, in fact, he's going to get his own back and obviously reveals a lot of uh, religious, you know, beliefs, what they're, you know, what they're going for, etc. And they take Mr. Uh, in a, 
in a truck and sort of basically dump him in the in the woods with uh, being tight you know, with his hands tied, uh, uh, you know, for a uh, torch at his a well flame torch at his uh, feet, and obviously with some uh, vampires who Jebediah nicely names the children of salvation. It's like we're going back to our Bloodborne <laughs> episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the children of salvation. So yeah, he, um, it, again, it hits home. Um, another vampire trope about the fear of fire, where you know, obviously he uses it to sort of uh, shoo him away, even though he's obviously got his hands tied. In, but obviously, Mister being uh, the the vampire hunter he is, he he manages to deal with the situation. He, <laughs> he nicely uses the the vampire biting to bite on his uh, on his uh, uh, ties to free his hands. Puts a stake through one of them, like he's ready for the fight. So that's quite a cool little little scene um and then it cuts back to what is obviously effectively the the morning after with sister and martin awake and uh jebediah sort of let tells him to go get water but you know obviously offers for him to if he wants to run he can run but there's no point in running etc but obviously martin because he's been mr trained uh <laughs> he uh, goes off to, <laughs> anyway to to find the uh, you know mister's car and and hatch a plan from there and that's where he reunites with Mister, who uh, turns out to be in the boot. There's also there's this little scene where you got a, f- a female vampire running at him, and it's again it shows obviously part of uh, uh, Martin's training, doesn't it? Where he's you know he's got the uh, the sort of the well a long bit of wood effectively, isn't it? Really, in you know he looks like he's holding it like a spear. You know he's got he's had his training, he's, he knows how to deal with this, but then just at the last moment, Mister, who's in the boot, grabs him, chucks him in the boot. The, you know, and the vampire jumps on the on the car, and they uh, there's this lovely scene where Mister's running her over um, a couple of times. Uh, there's a bit of CGI in this one, yeah, background, especially with the the the, uh, the trees, and um, <laughs> there's obviously a bit of, bit of a comedy scene where she's still, hang, you know, even though she's been run over, she's climbing up the side of the car, you know, and there's a scene where uh, Mr's like grabbing her by the head, get off me. You know, so I don't know why. And um, they, you know, effectively knock her onto some trees and, and take her out. So that's the end of the vampire. So they keep moving forward and then they end up at, what's like almost like a little traveler's settlement, isn't it? Effectively, I would imagine. Mm. This is where there's a you know, bit of, a bit of happiness and you know they, this is where they meet bell who's a uh a pregnant sort of probably woman in a sort of young i say she's sort of early to mid 20s quite a youngish mm. woman um yeah. he, she didn't i don't think she really explains does she about i might say why she's pregnant but you don't really sort of hear does she really i, I don't remember sort of particularly explaining about the you know who the dad was or where the dad is or anything like no, that No, i don't it doesn't uh go into that doesn't really sort of Really Again, no, it doesn't. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, I suppose it's just more obviously that she's you know even more fragile than everyone else that's out there. Really, she's obviously got uh, you know a child in tow with her, and um, she mm. you know joins Mister and and Martin. They you know move keep, keep going up north. They find an abandoned house, um, yeah, and there's a, there's a nice little there's this quite nice little scene, isn't there, where they they're effectively almost like a little family, aren't they? Yeah, they're having dinner together. He's reading the newspaper. 
you know, there's some orchestral <laughs> music playing. It's, um, mm. I mean, Dave, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good uh, little little breather from uh, the constant, like, harrying they've had. Um, those little sediments, uh, settlements are uh, called lockdowns. Mm. Um, in the uh, in like yeah. the mythos of the of the mm. setting, and um, those are the only safe havens. I mean, uh, other than running across these utterly abandoned um, homes, but yeah, it's if you're looking for people and trade, and you know, it's like they kind of frame this sort of as a western. I mean, even though it's yeah, you know, post-apocalyptic, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a good place. yeah, yeah, it is, and I think it also actually. One thing I, I, we didn't, we haven't mentioned is that personally, I find the the soundtrack for this movie to be very good. Actually, there's a, I think there's a good in this. Like, like I said, in this scene where there's some nice orchestral music, like I said, the calm that they've got for five minutes before obviously everything goes um, downhill again. I, yeah, I think the soundtrack is very good. In plays, you know, they they good choice of of you know tracks at the time. So yeah, this sort of reinforces that. Yeah, the, the and, soundtrack in this and in the second one. Um, I want to mm. say the second one more specifically. Um, it it's utterly evocative of like the first Diablo, like the Tristram yeah. um, soundtrack. It's it's yeah. sort of like melancholy and calming, even though the what's <laughs> going on is not. But uh, it, it's it suits it. It's they didn't go with any kind of like country music. It's it's just sort of like subtle um, instrumentals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so Martin goes up into the attic of the house and he comes across, uh, well, he sees a hand <laughs> you know, um, on the floor and he pulls it back with this little, you know, what's it like, a, like cloth effectively and uh, finds a female vampire in the attic who then comes down. And um, it's funny because this is where they actually refer to, we might all make the point of a, another type of vampire, don't they? Whereas obviously Zerka vampires, whereas now they mention the scamps, which are effectively mm. the young vampires, aren't they? The sort of the ones that are still, you know, either children or teenagers effectively. And this is what yeah. this sort of girl is. She's would be a teenage uh, age. And um, she's still, uh, so I suppose still a, this, she's not fully feral. Is she really at that point? She's most mm. curious, especially Martin where, you know, he's hold, holding, um, the, you know, the stake towards her, and, he, and she sort of touches him, doesn't she? Sort of holds her, arm, her hand, her fingers out, and brushes against his hand. You know, it's almost quite, you know, where there's still that little bit of you know hum, human in her, isn't there? You know, it's sort of yeah. quite a quite an evocative scene actually at that point. Um, but it's, um, yeah, no, really good actually. And then obviously they uh, take her down <laughs> like they do with all of them, <laughs> um, and then again carrying up up north, uh, they come across or view another sort of brotherhood road stop, you know, all the, the sort of like the lockdowns where they, you know, they're watching from afar and they're seeing, you know, someone being uh, searched, etc. And then um, it cuts to a, um, a, a vampire, um, a Santa vampire <laughs> being, <laughs> being killed. <laughs> Santa makes an appearance. So yeah, they, they're obviously further down the road and they come across a, a vampire in a, in a Santa outfit and uh, Martin takes takes him out with an arrow, um, and then this is where they come across the next of their little family, which is Willie. And Willie is um, 
uh, a Marine that's uh, obviously come back from <laughs> the war that doesn't really need to be any war war because obviously with what's going on. Um, so, um, yeah, so Cameron, what do you think of uh, Willie? Uh, yeah, no, I quite like him. Uh, you know, in post-apocalypse stuff, people go always go, well, where's the army? Where are the, all the soldiers and stuff? And it's like, True. he and Willie just goes, you know, they all went home. They got families to look out for. Yeah, yeah. funny that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was trying to go home. I got caught by the Brotherhood. They locked me. They tied me up in a porta potty with a vampire outside. Um, yeah, <laughs> dressed as Santa Claus. That that was just such a jarring shot as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're driving along. There's a porta potty and big <laughs> undead Santa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like Willie. He's sort of um. Mr. Mr. isn't so relatable as sort of an older male figure in this. He keeps himself sort of more aloof and distance. Yeah. Uh, you know, like at some point in the film, Bell says, do you always have to be such a hard ass all the time or something like that? <laughs> yeah, he does. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but Willie sort of slots in as sort of the cool older brother, almost like he gets along with everyone. He tries to chat with everyone and sort of just looks out for everyone. And he's just a, he's just a nice character. Like he's a cool dude who... You don't find many of them in the apocalypse. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing, isn't it? He, he, he reveals quite a lot, you know, for a bit more backstory. Because um, he mm. effectively, like I said, he makes the point that that the American, you know, that the American army or military have withdrawn from the Middle East to obviously mm. deal with the, the outbreak of vampires. But obviously, because there's no point being in the Middle East anymore because it's completely over with vampires. They yeah. come back, um, and then also he, he makes quite a key point about the brotherhood and the fact that they are they have some responsibility um, in regard to what's happened in America. Mm. That they, you know, they I think he says like they're ramming cars filled with vampires through blockades and yeah, crashing airplanes yeah. filled with vampires in cities. So you know, again, now you're seeing a bit more of the bigger picture in regards to the brotherhood and obviously what's you know, what's uh, fueled the fire of this, of this outbreak. Um, I mean, what do you think of that, Dave? Mm, yeah, it was pretty solid. Uh, I don't always like giant um, exposition drops because that's what this was. You know, he's, yeah. out, he's outright <laughs> telling you what, it, you know, what exactly happened. And <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice to have that shown. Um, it's a budgetary uh, concern, yeah. I think, as far yeah. as this. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, so. this is... You know, they probably had two or three sets, maybe, um, and mm. uh, just a lot of, you know, back roads and some woods. Everything's indistinguishable from another part. They're, tra- they're, they're ostensibly traveling, you know, south to north across, you know, all of the, the U.S. to get mm-hmm. to Canada. And yeah. Yeah. there's never, a, like, a scene change. As, yeah. as far as like what, yeah. what everything looks like, the environment just looks the same, samey. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a good uh, it's a good scene. You get stuff out of the way, and it's it's not over long. You know, it's very no. conversational. You don't feel like he's telling them what's going on. Um, mm. It was sort of a natural uh, dialogue, and um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a solid dude. This yeah, movie. absolutely. Because he also makes the point that obviously the the president of the USA has been is dead as well, and obviously yeah. then uh, uh, Mister makes a point of like who's in charge. Like I, it doesn't matter who's in charge; they all make none of them. You know, it make, doesn't make any difference. So, um, so yeah. So now they've got. So now they've got uh, uh, Willie 
in uh, in tow. Um, so um, so they carry on uh, going forward, and then this is when they they manage to catch uh, Jebediah again from uh, you know the leader of the or the main guy of the uh, the Brotherhood. So they they uh, catch him um, uh, as they because I think they yeah that's it they they dress themselves as part of the Brotherhood and. And then mm. smack him with the uh, the door of the truck and tie him to a tree, you know, getting a bit of revenge on him. And then Mister then carves a, a cross of you know, and using his knife into into his back to obviously uh, basically draw out uh, vampires, sort of return the favour to what he did to to Mister. And uh, they effectively leave him there and carry on to get another settlement. And this is where they're actually reunited with uh, Sister because. Obviously, from mm. this point, she's you know, as far as we know, she's was back with the the Brotherhood, but so she managed to uh, escape, um, which I think was what Jebediah says. Um, mm. And uh, then you got this sort of you know not what for, five, for five, effectively five minutes, you got a nice scene where you know there's people sort of enjoying themselves, having a bit of a celebration, sort of you know again like they do in a lot of these movies where. You know, hum, you know, humanity's coming together in times of strife with, you know, music and having a drink and, you know, just sort of have a, <laughs> a relax for five minutes. But then, oh no, here come the Brotherhood again, where they, uh, <laughs> they cause them trouble again, where <laughs> there's this scene where they uh, effectively drop vampires into the camp <laughs> from, mm. from, from the air, which was quite, is again of quite visually it's quite an impactful scene actually because it's always like that because if you think in in a lot of these not, not movies of this type but in in movies in general when thing when things are dropped it's often things like oh, no robots and such like isn't it when they're dropped you know mm. from the sky like that because they're not they're not com- they're not parachute jane they're literally being just thrown out of like you know <laughs> helicopters and just <laughs> dropped in so the the vampires just landing in a heap um but then obviously they you know cause chaos you know you start you know you've got various scenes of uh you know people with shotguns and you know trying to defend themselves and obviously it's just pure chaos um, where then it ends up, you know, being the the morning again, uh, because at this point they've managed sort of to to deal with them, and they try to get um, the gang, I, Mister and Martin, and everyone else. They try to get them to stay as part of, you know, to rebuild. But they're like, no, we're carrying on. But up north, there's more more stuff going on there, and then they carry yeah. on, and then the uh, the car breaks down. Which, to be fair, it's done well for itself, considering everything is running over vampires. Uh, so yeah, they you know, the car breaks down and they obviously realise they have to um, carry on on foot. They then come to what's effectively an abandoned you know auto yard full of you know old uh, scrap vehicles etc. They you know set their usual traps. They then then were revisited by berserker vampires again. I the ones sort of mentioned before. Um, I with the you know the stronger older ones, but they you know this is actually the first time they're actually mentioned in i.e. dealing with them um directly i.e. whereas before you're just dealing with them as a as a corpse and just explaining about them so yeah they you know they get attacked by the berserkers um and unfortunately this is where we see the end of uh basically like they do in like they like similar to what we see in the other films where they uh she drags them off in you know and so, so the others can escape and then before she gets taken down by them. She uh, shoots herself in the head. So, 
sister's now gone. So again, a quite powerful scene. Uh, I felt I felt it was quite a sad scene really because you know she's she's been through a lot. Well, they've all been through a lot, but she's you know it's, she's managed to escape <laughs> from the brotherhood and then has to meet this sort of end. But you know it's uh, a typical horror film uh, scene, and then they keep going forward. They come across a school bus which they use to you know sort of again another little area for them to, to stay in. Obviously. Uh, Bell is getting, you know, he's further pregnant and obviously they're conscious of obviously making sure she's uh, comfortable. And then we sort of realise that uh, Willie's gone missing. And um, again, they go to look for him and unfortunately he's been strung up by a tree <laughs> or up on a tree and, uh, and, and killed. Um, I mean, Cameron, what did you think of this? Uh, yeah, no, it was interesting because... Um... Uh, I'll be honest, for this the first time I watched this movie was for the podcast. Yeah. And I didn't initially think a vampire could have done like they all immediately went, Oh, it's a vampire, but I went like he's been tied up like yeah. in a tree. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if they're smart enough to use ropes. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was interesting because you just see him sort of going out for a leak in the middle of the night and you're like, that was an odd shot to put in. And then the next morning, Mr. Comes is like, get your boots, get your guns. <laughs> Willie's gone missing. We've got to go find him. And it sort of sets in motion this idea that there might be smarter vampires out there. Like Mr. Mentions, he's seen lots of different kinds of vampires, lots of mutant vampires that are different from normal, but he's never met one that thinks. And yeah. whatever this is, you know, bypassed all their traps, got Willie out without making much noise, got him up a tree, <laughs> like... Something, something strong and smarts after them at this point. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, it did cross my mind it could have been the Brotherhood, really, at this point, because, like you said, you're not you, the fact that you wouldn't think a uh, vampire would, you know, well, what you've seen of them so far that be capable mm. of doing something like that. So, you know, my, you know, my first reaction was, oh, well, is that the Brotherhood that have done that? But then, like I said, when you think of, well, what's about to come with uh, Jebediah, that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it makes perfect sense now. And like you said, yeah. uh, Mister goes never. Uh, he's never seen a thinking van. The words he says. So obviously, he realizes there's um, something afoot here. Um, they then it moves on with Bell getting captured um, and where she's taken away, and they you know hear her screaming, and she's effectively is it like a little hut of some sort isn't she really and it's a silo I, like a grain silo yeah, that's it, yeah 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 it's uh it's i i must admit again i know i've said this a few times this scene with bell i really it really makes me cringe not from a cheesiness but i just think it's quite a horrible mm. scene you know having a a scene where you know a, a lovely pregnant woman is sort of wrapped in barbed wire you know there's that sort of like Ooh. i mean what, what do you think of this scene dave what's about to happen uh, I mean, it was. This is probably the most brutal scene. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, mm. just as far as how it's framed. Um, yeah, I mean, she's being used as bait, but there wasn't any idea of like rescuing her once you see the state she's in. She already mm, has yeah. that sort of necrosis, um, those little veins sort of creeping in on her skin. So, yeah, I mean, Martin immediately knows it's a. It's kind of a lost cause. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was unexpected given the yeah. reveal 
I guess we get of the, uh, mm. the the vampire. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I suppose I'm only highlighting the fact that she's pregnant because, again, I'm not saying in any scene it would be still nice to watch, you know, horrible to watch. But it, it's just the fact that you think, oh, that, that's such a you know such a horrible end for her, isn't it? It's not you know the fact she's being tortured. It's just. Yeah, it just made me cringe a bit, but but you know it's impactful and and again I suppose it's like like a lot of these films they don't hold back sometimes with these sort of things. So no, it's you know it's it's horrific, but you know it has its its place in there. Um, and then this is where we see uh, you know Jebediah, who's now a a vampire, but he's he makes the point that um, that because obviously he was because he gave himself willingly. To the vampires, obviously, when he was um, abandoned by uh, Mister, and, and that he's sort of become a—that's why he's become a thinking vampire. Now, I, how do I mean? Where do we think that is in from a, you know, from a law perspective? Because that's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Does it because he gave himself willingly, he's now a thinking vampire. Whereas, if you don't give yourself up, you become a mindless vampire. I mean, I mean. What do you think? I mean, Cameron, what do you think about that? Uh, honestly, it seems really weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, uh, Mr. Mr. Does mention like earlier, like I said, he mentions he's seen a lot of mutant vampires, like things that fall outside the norm. And like, that was my first thought was no, just something really weird happened where for some reason he sort of didn't die as fast or something. And part of his, memory sort of clung on and had a bit more control it's really weird compared to all the other vampires in the film which are it's they're just corpses running around drinking blood he's here he's thinking he's talking he's highly motivated uh dave i know you've watched the sequel you might have a little more insight on this uh yeah (laughs) it doesn't make any sense (laughs) there's nothing in the lore of the sequel that would back this up um it's not even that he's a thinking vampire. It's like the reverse. He's literally the same person, but just has all the perks of the the vampire. vampire. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah. um, This was the weakest part of the film. Mm. Uh, I don't think it does anything to detract from the rest of it. It's, it's fine, but I wish they had done something to back it up. Um, because if that's the way you become that sort of vampire, then there would have been a lot mm. more of them. The Brotherhood is, uh, it's like, they're like zealots. So they're fanatics. Yeah. I mean, any one of them, I think, if bitten, would turn out like this. And there's a, mm. there's a shot, like, way earlier in the film where they, uh, Mr. has a map of the, the U.S. And mm. the Brotherhood, the zone that they control is huge. Yeah. Um, it's like several states worth of like real estate, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there would be other incidents of this, uh, to be fair. Um, Mr. Is like, well, he's the one vampire hunter. So it's, you're going off the word of mm-hmm. one dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. As far as <laughs> someone encountering these, because people aren't running around trying to defend themselves. They're holding up in little communities. So mm. yeah, maybe there is a lot more of these type of vampires out there. They're just doing their own thing uh, in another part of the world or some other, one of the many 50 States. I mean, it's a lot of land to cover <laughs> and they're just making yeah. a beeline for Canada. 
Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I agree. I think it's just, it is a weak sort of point. It doesn't really, it doesn't make much sense to be honest. I mean, you just got like you said, you just got to go with it because it's it's just part of the film. But I think that his sort of transformation, just because he gave himself willingly, I don't get what significance that has. But okay, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there's a fight between Jebediah. And and uh, Mister, at this point, you know, final showdown at this point, and he not, you know, Jebediah uses his strength to knock Mister, you know, onto the uh, onto a wall and nastily, you know, pins his hands on the on the wall using his stakes. Um, but then that's when Martin come, you know, comes around and helps him out, and uh, they uh, double, you know, use, double team him to. Uh, stake him through the the heart, the heart at this point so now jebediah is gone so he didn't last for that much for that long <laughs> but uh he, he had it coming and uh understandably martin at this point decides to mercy kill bell because like i said she's mm. she's gonna turn she's in you know she's being tortured effectively so yeah he you know he, he uh he kills her off so um we're now sort of coming to effectively the last bit of the the film now where they travel on and they come to an abandoned restaurant and find quite a few uh, vampire corpses outside with arrows sticking outside. A relatively young uh, woman on the roof who is called Peggy and she is armed with a, with a crossbow and um, is obviously become a bit of a dead shot as well. And so they, they go in and she obviously invites them in and, cooks for them, gives them a drink, etc. And it turns out that the restaurant was her parents and she's basically been left by herself to, she's just bought, you know, by herself and she's become a bit of a, a bit of a vampire killer on it's with her and her crossbow. She's had plenty of time to practice. Um, and at this point, uh, you, you, we as the audience and obviously missed a, a bond between uh, Martin and Peggy at this point, where you know where they're you know they're of similar sort of ages, and you know he's not seen a, a girl of that age probably for a while. She's not seen a boy, and you can tell that they're you know they they've got that bond together. And that, you know, there's this point where she she takes out a uh, one of the vampires using a crossbow, and and uh, she sees one that I think she knew, didn't she? You see, was it like mm. an ex ex sort of schoolmate or something like that yeah you know someone that she she knows that she's tried to take out a few times has always missed or not had the best shot at taking him out so um martin you know gets his testosterone going and goes out there to impress (laughs) and and takes a vampire out uh, with a stake himself um whilst being observed by mister which obviously then and he has this sort of this, you see the scene where he's where Mister's looking in the mirror, looking at himself as a whole, and mm. he it basically comes to a point now where uh, Mister disappears really and leaves uh, leaves Peggy and, and Martin to sort of you know go on by themselves. Uh, I mean, Cameron, what do you think of Mister disappearing? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. Like uh, the thing that happens directly before that, like you said, is uh, Martin goes out and very sort of confidently takes down a vampire by himself, hand to hand, 
But uh, the really important thing for me there was he just didn't hesitate. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I can take care of this. And it's sort of like every other time he's had to be in a fight or he's had to kill a vampire before this, he's hesitated a little. He seemed yeah. a little uncertain. He's suddenly become sort of supremely confident in himself of this, you know, pretty horrific journey all the way up from the south to the north of the U.S., and it's sort of like maybe Mr. Feels he's not needed there anymore. He feels like he's, you know, I've taught you everything I know kind of deal. Uh, going off to be a cool mentor to another young kid. <laughs> he, just, he just goes all the way back south again, picks up another, you know, young sort of late teen. It sort of drives them back up. And <laughs> that's where all the vampire hunters have gone. They've all gone up to Canada. Uh, he's making new ones and up there. No, <laughs> he's got a Canadian vampire hunter training school. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, no, I, I feel it was. I feel it was. Yeah, a thing where like he felt he's done enough for Martin. He can't be any more used to him. He before he met Martin, he seemed to have been a bit of a loner, and he tried to keep distant from everyone throughout the mm-hmm. entire film yeah. as well. So it's this sort of him saying, "No, I've done what I can, or what I'm willing to do. I'm bowing out." He's got a good chance. Together, they've got an even better chance. I'm out of here for now, kind of thing. It was poignant, but open-ended enough that it left me guessing afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's fair enough. What do you think, Dave? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, it's, it flows nicely into the, the beginning of the second film. And, right. okay. um, yeah, it's just that this is, like again, that hero's journey you know, for, uh, for Martin mm. and, um, yeah, his mentor has left and he's now, you know, he's become a man or, you know, whatever you want to read into that. <laughs> he's self-sufficient and, you know, mm. Peggy is equally sufficient. So, um, Mr. Doesn't, I don't think I see a need for himself to be in the picture and just go yeah. back uh, to his rambling. Um, no, I, I thought it was a good end to the, to the film. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, effectively finishes up where, where uh, Mister has left his skull pendant on the on the truck, which obviously Martin realizes that he's he's now gone and he's got to start again with Peggy. And they, you see them uh, arriving in Canada or New Eden, as it's uh, said on the sign. Mm. And that's the end of the film. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so that you know, Cameron, what do you? think of the film as a whole uh yeah overall i really enjoyed it it was kind of it's a refreshingly different take on vampires to have them be uh as noted earlier very zombie-like uh this sort of feeling that vampires are an epidemic rather than these sort of singular characters that you've got to be afraid of this particular guy you've got to be afraid of no there's just this field of fanged purple corpses sort of running towards you kind of deal (laughs) Um, and it was nice. It was a very different change of pace from 30 Days for Night, like Dave mentioned. This is a bit more sort of schlocky, western, kind of road trippy feeling thing. It's less a horror film, more of a... I'm not sure really what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It, but no, it's a good film overall. It's had some interesting ideas, had some good characters. Uh, the stuff with Jebediah near the end was pretty weak but it yeah. wasn't the worst they could have done with it so yeah, I, i'm not going to dock them points for it or anything <laughs> <laughs> uh dave how about you 
uh, I enjoy it a lot, and it um, it basically serves as a prologue to the the second movie. Um, I don't I don't even really want to talk about the second one. Um, I'm recommending <laughs> everyone to go watch it. It's a, it's a satisfying <laughs> mm, conclusion, I guess, to this story because it deals with um, all these characters and what life you know has in store for them. Um, okay, good. Yeah, I guess one thing we we didn't really mention was. Um, uh, our our Mister 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 um, Nick mm. Domici. Uh, he's he's the screenwriter. Um, he's also yeah. he he writes um, Stakeland Two. Um, he's done a few other. Uh, he, he's a he's a pretty good uh, filmography as a writer. Um, mm. Also as an actor, he's he's our our bridge between werewolves and vampires. As he was the <laughs> lead uh, yeah. Ambrose in um, Ambrose. Yeah. And um, we we see a little bit more, um, you know. He's he's not aged up in this film. He's no, yeah, he's proper yeah. age. He's you know he's probably in his fifties. Um, he's in, he's in like pretty that. good shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I'd agree again with that. I I I think out of the two, I prefer Stakeland. I think I was, I was actually surprised how good it was actually because I hadn't seen it until the you know for the podcast. I thought. Mm. I'd seen 30 Days of Night previously and obviously rewatched it for the, the podcast. But I think as a whole, it's one, it's a funny one because I think it's, I think it's a stronger film out of the two, even though I think the vampire side of things isn't as strong. As in, I think I probably would say I prefer the vampires out of 30 Days of Night sort of visually mm. and as sort of as a pack, etc. I thought they were better, but I think the film as a whole, whether it's the setting and the actual, whereas I think the characters are in better, the sort of the non vampire characters in this film are better i think you know mr oh, yeah. paul bell you know all, you know willie they're all decent characters as a whole and they portray it well and like we said earlier it would make a fantastic video game if they did it <laughs> pretty, and it would be better than far cry five <laughs> six etc not that it would take much but it would be and um, <laughs> and um and yeah, I think it, yeah, overall I was, I, I, I'm really looking forward to watching the second one, even if we didn't cover yeah. it, as, you know, as part of this, I would, I'm definitely going to watch that very soon actually. Cause I'm, you know, on Dave's endorsement, but also just because mm. I, how much I actually was surprised by this one. I think it's a bit of a, a hidden gem actually. Cause you know, cause it's not as well known as obviously a lot of the other vampire films out there. So I think it's no overall it's, it's, it's I think, uh, the two that we've done in this episode, I think they've contrasted quite well, actually. I think even though they ha- do have some similarities, it's it's been quite good to actually see two different takes on this. So, yeah, there we go. That's the, <laughs> the two of them done. Um, so before we move on to responses, anything else vampire-related people want to mention? Anyone? Anything uh, want to <laughs> bring to the so. uh, bloodstained <laughs> table? Mm. No, I think we uh, we were able to get a little bit more into the lore um, in this episode and yeah. talk. A, you know, the the films left room for us to contrast with it. You know, other oh, vampire yeah. lore. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If Thirty Days of Night, uh, the vampires are sharks. Um, mm. In Stakeland, they're a plague. So yeah, we get yeah, you know, sort of almost a one to one comparison. Um, of sort of an ideology of what these vampires are. They're not, especially in um, Stakeland, they aren't the antagonist. They're just uh, a nature hazard. You know, the antagonist is the people. It's the brother. 
Brotherhood, that's, yeah. That's the yeah, monster um, in this mm-hmm. movie. The vampires are just they're just there and yeah. to be avoided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Well we'll we'll uh, move on to the, the important bit that the listeners care about, which is the back. <laughs> the other two hours. <laughs> um so uh we've got a couple of responses this week. Um Dave, do you want to do the first one? Yeah, um, we got uh, some feedback from our our friend of the show um, at Zombie Security. Uh, yep. He sent in a, a tweet um, and a, a DM, so double double duty mm, there. Nice. Um, says <laughs> uh, I prefer, or I guess I should go to our question. Um, we asked if people prefer the uh, the dapper vampire or uh, um, another type, a more feral beast. Um, and uh, Zombie Security kindly provides us with a, a third uh, option. He says, <laughs> I prefer my vampires to be deer. Seriously, deer, no, vampire deer are a real thing. He gives us a little link to some uh, pictures of <laughs> amazingly photoshopped looking deer. But no, they are, in no, fact, they are a real <laughs> thing. They are called water deer. He you know, gives a little bit of a... A, a wiki link i guess and um mm-hmm. it's it's uh they're not actually even really deer they're related to musbeer um mm-hmm. but uh they have these tusks sort of uh like you know wild boar tusks from their the top of their jaw and they're native to china and korea i, I looked at it a little bit and um apparently the the tusks that that grow from their their upper jaw are not fully um, embedded in the jaw, and oh, they can be okay. controlled by facial muscles to like extend forward or pull back when they're eating. Um, oh man! So if they're defending themselves, the, the fangs jut forward, and they can sort of stab <laughs> things with them. Um, That's pretty impressive. A little bit like wow. uh, bunicula, larger version. Yeah. And then um, in his uh, in his DM, he says, uh, okay, so I personally like my vampires to be a bit noticeable when they're in vampire mode, so to speak. The ones in From Dust Till Dawn come to mind, indistinguishable from normal humans until they're about to feed, and then they go to super bat-like, kind of neat. I'm not a big fan of the true, but true blood style vamp, where you just get a little snicked, I guess that Wolverine <laughs> sound effect yeah. of... Uh, <laughs> canine teeth popping out and that's it i'm also a fan of the various vampire types in jim butcher's dresden files novels of the uh, urban fantasy yep. ones um there are Very two good. different types uh, or courts of vampire each with their own strengths and weaknesses red court vamps are able to pass among people by constructing a fleshy disguise that covers their entire body that that sounds pretty cool um, yeah. <laughs> if the vamp is injured or enraged, the disguise can be ripped away, revealing the true grotesque bat-like creature beneath. I enjoy this kind of vampire where they are portrayed as an entirely different being instead of a sad, pale human with sharp teeth. Uh, thanks for your uh, response, zombie security. That yeah. was great. And, yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, I think I think he, he mentioned um, Jim Butcher's novels in the Werewolf. Yeah, he did. Mm, as well. yeah, yeah. yeah, I really want to read these novels now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Selling them well. Again, they, they do creatures really well. The vampires yeah. and the werewolves are great. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Cameron, do you want to do the, the other yeah. feedback? Yeah. And uh, other responses from uh, at my Sinclair. Uh, 
she responds, nicely dressed. My favorite vampires are artsy and seductive. I can read, watch, and swoon over movies and books with impossibly gorgeous vampires for an eternity. Yes, to the dark gift. Uh, Call me a nerd, but my favorite setting idea is the mix you get with World of Darkness, because I like the idea of both types of vampires existing in the same world. Unfortunately, in practice, playing doesn't hold up to the setting usually. Worst is sparkly. Get away from me with that nonsense. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those of you not familiar with world of darkness you've got your sort of dapper traditional victorian vampires but then you've also got the more bestial vampires <laughs> thrown into the mix yeah uh so they sort of coexist not quite peacefully in uh, that setting but it does make for a nice clash i do agree i uh, i tossed a link uh, into the chat um for mm. another show that i i spoke briefly um with my about uh it's it's a short-lived uh, eight-episode, one-season TV show oh, okay. from uh, oh, yeah. 1996, and it is um, it's loosely based on the World of Darkness um, Kindred, and it's called Kindred mm. the Embraced, and uh, from memory, this was really good. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a TV show, okay. but uh, it's uh, <laughs> produced by the, um, the Spellings, uh, Tori Spell, or I guess it was her, her father, the family. Um mm. But yeah, that was a lot of fun, and it has as it, it deals with uh, the the Bruja and another one of the vampire clans, and it's a mm. it's basically about a, a detective that's um, you know he encounters uh, these kindred, and it uh, sort of broadens his worldview, gives him a gl- glimpse behind the curtain, um, and one one of the main um, bad guys is. Uh, um, Brian Thompson, who was um, Shao Kahn in uh, the mm. Mortal Kombat uh, second okay. film, Annihilation. He's been in some other stuff. Yeah. He has very distinctive uh, cheekbones. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's some really good responses, actually. Yeah. Mm. A lot of food for, food for thought there. Mm. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I think we've uh, we're vamped out, aren't we? I think we've done well on this one. <laughs> it's been, I've really enjoyed this one, actually. It's yeah. good two movies to, to look at, and vampires mm-hmm. are always good. And I say vampires, not zombies. I'll just go out <laughs> on that. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Me and my brain. It's, it's been a tiring week. But, <laughs> right, um, we'll do a little bit of admin just to finish off. Um, so we'll do a few shout-outs for the other favorite podcasts of ours so you got the guys over at monster of the week great podcast you got the dark insight guys always good um which i believe our our dave is going to be on soon to yes. uh, uh I'll, I'll hopefully be on there shortly you can look forward to that excellent <laughs> then we've we've all got the badge then mm-hmm. yeah exactly uh, <laughs> and you got the guys at the salt report and you got also got the chomp chain guys as well so all great podcasts check them out and in turn, obviously, remember to get them to check out ours as well. <laughs> and uh, what else we got? Um, so, yeah, like any, anything, you know, any feedback you want to give us, any comments, responses, obviously just hit us up on the uh, the Monster, Dear Monster Twitter or any of us individually, um, mm. which we'll give in a second. Um, also, any iTunes reviews are good. Again, just search Monster, Dear Monster. You know, just again, just gets us out there but again in feedback in general you know anyone got any ideas any future topics or way we do things you know it's all good 
you know, we, we're, we're welcome to take it on, you know. Remember, we're still people, though. Or are we? Um, and um, you know, it's, it's good. So, um, again, talking of Twitter, uh, Dave, where can people find you on there? You can find me on Twitter at sentianot underscore plus. And um, I've been informed that that's difficult to spell, uh, to look up. <laughs> so I'll, as usual, include that in the, uh, the notes. Absolutely. <laughs> and how about you, Cameron? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at night underscore twitten. That is night without a K. Uh, feel free to come and chat. I love talking to people. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Ninja Badger 7, the number 7. Um, and like I said, it's been a great episode, guys. Um, mm. like I said, I've enjoyed this one and I uh, hope anyone that's listening has enjoyed it too. Uh, remember to keep your garlic and steak close to you, but you know, it doesn't always work. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs>